Hello, hello everybody and welcome to the LGL Officially Unofficial Podcast, episode 14. I am your host, Alex, also known as Lexi, by Mars One and Unit, and of course I'm joined by the terrific Nymera, otherwise known as Alex Hapgood in the real world, and the fantastic Sam Hapgood, he goes by initialize on the internet if you didn't do. know that. Gentlemen, as I say always, go. Take the initiative, Fair whoever. Enough. Well, you mentioned me first, so I'll, I guess right. I'll uh, head off with it. Yeah, I was, as, as always, I'm Alex Nymera Hapgood, colorcaster for the LJL, officially unofficial, and uh, we're going to have some really complex Roman neuro- numerals on the titles now, if we did them, you know, like we've got like the whole like XIV thing. It's going to be, it's going to get weirder from here. Yeah. That's it. That's what I've got yeah. to say. Uh, and I am Sam Initialize Hapgood. I'm play-by-play analyst and official eyebrow raiser. Uh, of the LJL unofficial cast and gents, mm-hmm. we've finished a split. We we've have. done it. It's uh, the end of the first spring split for us to ever cast, and uh, hope potentially more of many. Like, I mean, that, it's kind of crazy that we've actually finished it. A little bit sad in the grand scale of things. It's bittersweet, definitely yeah. bittersweet. You know, we've got a while off now, and we'll have to think about what we're going to do without the LJL for a while. But yeah, we've definitely an- some weird emotions going we've got around. got another month and a bit off. We should be used yeah. to this. We've had a month of, and a bit off before. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> we'll come back to that one, I think. <laughs> yes, we will definitely. But who are we? Well, we are a group of fans of the LJL that realized that the LJL wasn't getting any form of coverage. So we decided to take that into our own hands. We also wanted to start doing some casting, hosting, producing, and all that around content creation. So we took it on upon ourselves and we started being the first and now premier one-stop location for all things LJL-related news, coverage, and much more. We don't have any affiliation with Riot Games or any of Riot Games' partners. This is our own views in the grand scale of things. Anything that we do say here is just our own point of view. It does not represent the LGL officially unofficial streams and casts that we do do. This is our own just us chatting shit half the time. Uh, by the way, do by all means do check out our own individual uh, social medias as well as you if you are watching this on YouTube You can see underneath the video or also just on the video itself It has our own links for our Twitch and Instagram It's LJL underscore officially underscore unofficial and our Twitter is LJL unofficial and Nymera initialized with a one and Mars one are our online handles that we use by the way as I mentioned earlier you can find this podcast not just as a video, but through all of the audio streaming Ooh. platforms out there. If you type in LGL into most podcast finders, you'll be able to find it. No one's come to me yet saying they can't find the podcast in the audio form. So I'm rather pleased to say well, that we're that's on pretty good going. most Unless things. they're people that can't find the podcast and therefore can't hear you saying how to find the podcast. Nah. That's the problem. But then that's just a paradox that I can't fix. So, I mean, I'm not going to... We're time travelers. How can we not fix paradoxes? Come no. Uh, no, we no, cause no, no. them. We don't fix them. We cause okay, them. Okay, I see. We cause them. Yeah, exactly. And Sorry, obviously, <laughs> and obviously, be safe. Uh, try and be as healthy and as happy as you can be in these troubling times. Um, obviously, moods and effects things will change, but at most, make sure you tell those that you care that you do care about Big them time. and everything, and Big send time. those messages. And if you don't feel like you can send those messages, that's okay. 
Look after yourself. Self-healing comes first. Just wash <laughs> your hands, you dirty bastards. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. Um, wash your hands. Don't go out too much. Don't oh, give you yeah. oh, pretty yeah. good. Uh, so, gentlemen, this week's episode, we are going to have a few interesting talking points. We're going to be talking about the patch that we uh, watched, the semifinals and the finals. We're going to be talking about that uh break that we had and then we're going to go into the semi-finals that's going to be around detonation focus me versus v3 and the outcome of that matchup we're then also going to talk about the finals match and then also just kind of a roundup between how we thought everything yeah. happened finished and... off some loose ends and yeah, stuff yeah yeah tied up in a bow and then we'll obviously give our players of the series for both of those series and then we're going to round up the podcast with some questions but mm -hmm. before we deep dive into anything is there anything you want to just say before we get into the meat of this podcast gentlemen i don't know there's a hell of a lot to talk about to be honest like we got yeah just get we finally in. have content after like literally five mm. weeks of like some rounding up the last like the, the round two things and then like we finally have content again so i really want to just get into it right like <laughs> The Nile has overflowed. Everything is fertile with content. Once more, we can grow podcast views. It's all great. We're looking forward to it. The drought is over. The drought is indeed over. So, gentlemen, let's talk about one of the biggest changes that we were not expecting and how the patch was changed. This is the first that I'm ever aware of that a patch has been changed in a playoff series. We went yeah, from patch yeah, 10.5 in the first uh, two rounds, which is what Axis versus V3 and all these other games that we saw get played on. And then game round three and the finals were both played on 10.8. Yep. How do you guys feel about this? Um. So... It's really difficult, right? Because um, there was what five weeks between um, round two and round three, which is huge. You know, it's literally like you know that that that's ridiculous. And of course, the game moves on during that time. So um, you know, trying to practice and kind of throw yourself back into patch ten point five when we're currently on live patch ten point nine. Tournament realm might be a bit mutable on that. But the thing is, you know, we already saw. You know, some meaningful results happen within the playoffs on patch 10.5. We saw that Sengoku beat DFM. Mm. And now that means that DFM, you know, potentially having taken a loss, even though they came in first in the regular season, um, maybe that would change things for them uh, in terms of having ridiculous amounts of time to prep on a new patch and come in with mm -hmm. something new under the covers and go into the semifinals uh, with some kind of advantage. Of course, that would apply to V3 as well uh, and Sengoku. But, like, it, it, it might shake up how our power, a relative power between the teams would be in our heads hmm. oh absolutely we were because we were having this conversation weren't we guys but it was sort of like okay which team because we hadn't really done this live on cast before but we were sort of saying okay which team actually was the best on this patch we've had that conversation before certain mm -hmm. teams are very patch dependent you know when it's an early diving meta potentially someone like v3 would be very strong for example that kind of deal and it is actually a fairly big shift in power between 10.5 and 10.8, particularly around things like the bot lane and what's really good down there changes massively between mm. those patches. I'm... And how does that? How did that affect it? And it's difficult to know because bluntly, five weeks of prep is an off season in in some ways. Like yeah, that's huge, and yeah, that's loads of time not on stage. That's loads of time for people to hide things that you just don't know about. Um, and there is that element of 
certain teams will always prep better in isolation or without play than others. Some teams just really need the, the stage time to, to come together. Yeah, it depends which echo chamber is the most functional, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're just going to be insulational, it's like, do you get the right idea when you're practicing like that and you get five weeks of really high value prep compared to a team that, say, for instance, with the Sengoku DFM series the first time, uh, you know, in, in round um, two. two, round two, right? Uh, we oh. thought that DFM had a bad read on the matter. They didn't know how to deal with Victor Varus. And a lot of that comes from the prep that they had. So with five weeks, if they had another bad idea or they had a really good idea, it changes how you approach the series. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the big problems for me is, in the grand scale of things in regards to this, and this links to that five-week break, is we were the first region to have any games for their playoffs. Mm. We had our first match, which was, as I mentioned earlier, V3 versus Axis. Was, God, it feels so long ago. It was all the it way was back so long ago. <laughs> on the 23rd of March is when that game was Man played. Alive. I can't believe that we've only really just finished our playoffs and yet we started it so long ago. And it was on patch 10.5, which even at that point, it wasn't the most recent patch. Patch 10.5 yeah. had come out at the very beginning of March. We already had patch 10.6, but it's very rare that you start on the patch when it first comes out. Oh yeah, you normally so, have like a grace week before exactly. bugs are fixed. So it's like we started probably a week early, really. Maybe yeah. two weeks early. I mean, let's be real. The first region to finish is where our brothers and sisters over over at the VCS. Their first Shout game. Oh, absolutely. Their first game was the 10th of April. Mm. Um, now, obviously, they were still playing play. They still had their spring season leading up to that point, And then they had a short break because they had to have that in-between period. We had our in-between period during playoffs, which yeah. no other region did to my knowledge. Yeah, and, uh, we've had our breaks about LGL schedule, but this is bad. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, I'll be frank to both of you and our listeners, I'm very disappointed that this is how this went down. Um, mm. Because keep to the precedent that they've set of always keep the same patch, right? It. I, I assume they've com communicated this with the players and the teams and everything else. Yeah. But you don't know how much it is just right going, well, everybody else is playing on 10.8, so play on 10.8. Yeah. yeah, but the, I mean, tournament realm is is mutable, right? You can change what it's on. That's how, like, you have a, a different tournament realm for each region and stuff. That's yeah. how they prepare this stuff, and it's also what you scrim on too, and you do your practice on. But yeah, I think, and the thing for me is that we can't exactly blame this on COVID either, because like there was already going to be a month break. It just added an extra week onto it, effectively, mm -hmm. in this in this downtime. Mm -hmm. So like, this would have been an issue regardless of the global um, global situation right now. Um, yeah. So. For me, it's it's. I don't know whether it's a logistical thing and their hands were forced on it. If that's the case, then I think that whoever is in charge of you know event management needs to step it up. This is the first time we've seen this playoff format, um, and it's really good in terms of the format. I like it. But if this is going to be the way it's going to happen with like a four or five week break, it's, it should, it's difficult. There shouldn't be really a break. Difficult. There should full stop. I don't know any like other a one, two, reason. Two week yeah. break. At two week mo break. At most, most frankly, mm -hmm, yeah. playoffs yeah. should be a very streamlined thing of. You do round one, round two, round three, round four. And at yeah. most, they should be one week, two week, three week, four. It could be a month long thing, but you just do lots of it. I mean, LPL has how many matches and they condense that into two weeks, basically? Yeah, true. So what's yeah. the They've got the double double yeah. bracket thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, so like, I mean, like, I think my, the two key issues here for me is, like, should the patch have been changed and should there have been that long break? Would I you... think probably 
I think probably the one to start with on that is should there have been the break? Because I think that break is way too long. In terms I of think it just needs to be short. And we've, yeah, had, we've just yeah. gone over that. And that competitive integrity is really hard. Yeah. Having said that, if you are going to have a break that long, how fair would it have been to not change the patch? But, how, but... you know, we've, when we've talked about, you know, scrimming is one thing, but actually if you're going into solo queue and you're trying to practice these new champs to try and pull out counters and stuff, and change what your your read is on something that could be really hard but, to do if you can't practice it in solo queue. But then, and how fair would it be to not change the patch at that point? But then the thing and I don't know. Like, the thing for me is like a playoffs, like particularly in the league ecosystem, right? We have playoffs on the same patch. That is the way that league has done it for forever, and it basically raises the point of what is the purpose of a playoffs, right? It's like oh, to determine a winner. But then it's like in another way you could phrase that is determine the best team on that patch for me. Um, you know, having a playoffs is a it's a it's a very rock solid way to say, look, you're going to be put through the forge, you know, put through the crucible, and we're going to find whoever who is actually the best um, team on this patch. Um, and when you change, uh, if you change patches halfway through a playoffs, effectively for me, you've then just set up a different playoff. You know, for me, in some ways, okay. then round one, round two are separate from round three and four for me. Yeah, well, that, that's... round three in the finals. And I'm not sure, I, and I don't think that's the purpose of a playoffs for me. I get in terms of the logistical side of it, but like. But that the should, you've got riot thing. money for fuck's sake at the end of the day really? you do you, you do something of oh but we can't get the venue for a month I, you should be it's able to turn, you should be able to turn around to the venue and go, yeah. okay we're gonna do yeah but even when they were doing a four-week yeah. break regardless right originally no covid yeah there shouldn't be a four-week break full stop there should be a max of one week two weeks absolute max yeah i think two, two weeks is what we some yeah. what we see between some player friends but, but even then in my eyes that's far too yeah. long it should it's be at long. most a week two, two weeks i think is acceptable but it's not optimal Exa yeah 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 um and like it shouldn't be something like right you should be able to turn around to a venue and say we don't care how much we have to pay frankly we want to get this done or we'll go to a different we'll have venue. contingencies yeah. Yeah. And we also don't know what the teams agree to because actually I, I wouldn't be surprised because obviously we're not privy to communications between the teams and right we there may well have been a communication between the teams saying actually teams and right saying okay right what do you want we've got a five-week break guys do you want to play on 10.5? Do you want to play on 10.8? And maybe the teams came to the conclusion, let's play on 10.8. We don't know what that discussion was because there may well have been something there. Sure. That's true. I mean, it's yeah. just... It, it just... And uh, I agree. Anyway, the distance is wrong. That, anyway, that, that leaves, time is ridiculous. So basically, it just leaves us in this state where we're not particularly happy with it either way. Like, there's always going to be questions. And actually, because of this change in, you know, the very structure of the playoffs in terms of, like, the bedrock which all these teams are standing on, it, it very may very well change the results. So speaking of results, right? should we fit drop this and like yeah, it's a bad taste in the mouth. But I'm not sure there's much more we can really delve no, into it. No, but let's uh, let's try and go on to a more lighter topic of our glorious semi-finals match, which saw mm. V3 face off against DFM. Uh, we saw pr pretty handedly DFM win uh, three. One, two. Why me? Who called that, by the way? Yes, just yes, out of yes, interest. Just, just a little yeah, bit of. Just, yes, just go yeah. on. Uh, uh, Nymera also was called that it on the initialized? podcast. Uh, on the podcast, I called V3, but that was oh. before we knew about the patch. On the day, I said it was DFM 3 2. Yeah, I mean, the patch really didn't hit me home in the grand scale of things. Yes, initialized. Yes, yes, well done. I'm yes, sorry, I did in the moment. Yes, okay. yes. No, no, congrats, <laughs> Sam. Actually, no, honestly, Sam, congrats. It was a good prediction. You get a pass on the head. But I mean, this doesn't. Yeah, this the does, condescension hurts. This does link back <laughs> partly to the patch thing, and I think, frankly, DFM are the best adapters to patches in the LGL. We saw that at the beginning yeah. of week one and two, right? 
They were just yeah. better than everyone yeah. else. Well, and then people started learning how to one work as a team and two, how the patch works, right? Well, yeah, and well I had that conversation. So, but the, you know, give D, D, four weeks is an off season, five weeks is an off season. DFM with on air, who have already got massive synergy and already and be the very big good. Brains rep. of like so, yeah. Saros and <laughs> yeah, Saros, Ebby, Steel. These guys are willing to pull out weird stuff. So you've now got uh, a team that loves to prep with a new patch and time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so B three did look kind of out of their element and ace was arguably one of their big liabilities when it comes yeah. to it he was a player who i had been touting as actually performing incredibly well and far above any of well definitely your two expectations for them oh and for sure i, 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 I really like right i mean at the end of the day he was able to 1v1 the best an RI's mid laner of the LDL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was he, able to. Yeah, he, he did some serious yeah. stuff. And he won one of those games. Like, consi <laughs> like he actually, we can say he won lane. The other games, I don't think he won lane. He he at yeah. best went even, and that's being very polite to him. <laughs> um, but uh, that's that's a thing. He was suffering in lane. He couldn't win. I think it was partly a pick thing, partly Cirrus, partly just lots of things. Gentlemen, take it away, really. Uh, yeah, so the thing for me is, like, there's something to be said about, like, shielding Ace in a draft and giving him something which doesn't need to win lane. Hmm. Um, that didn't happen in game one. Right off the bat, he picked up a Zoe pick, and it was against what, um, someone we'll get to later, a Xerath with a Trundle Jungle, which was, like, super weird stuff coming out of DFM. And the whole thing with that is that Zoe can push in early versus that lane, but if a Trundle Pillar comes down and you lose your flash, like, you lose a lot of ways to go aggressive onto the Xerath. Um, he, whatever it was in terms of the communication, um, he blew his flash early through due to a Trundle Pillar. He was down, I think he got Flame Horizon that game, actually. It was he that did. bad. It was um, not good. The game ended know. with Saros at 431 CS, Ace was at 324. Yeah, but for me, like, uh, I mean, without talking about the rest of the game and how that all shook out, just in terms of the early lane, what that meant is that Boogie, who has been the superstar jungler and stuff, like, then had to shield mid so hard just to try and stop Ace from bleeding out, really, in this mid lane and costing him the game. And for me, like, a lot of that is just on Ace's early kind of mind blank really just being like oh shit if i blow my flash this is really bad and like it wasn't a particularly hard gank either it's just like steel was in river brush yeah, he kind of just walked lane. up slowly he just walked up he walked up aggressively he walked up slowly I mean, and downbeat I mean, smashed him i mean that's the deal when you're playing against a zarath right was is that you know actually what you're playing is skill shot dodging simulator uh, there is a reason so there's an there's an apocryphal story that basically says you know faker used to love play against scripted zarath players because it was really good training yeah. to avoid skills. Scripted Carthus as well. Scripted yeah. Carthus as well. Like, so the, like, and he basically, yes, that's the best way to get I better. Mean, to play against a great perfect. champion to play against for Boogie because, great, Xeros has no escapes. He just, it, it should, right. be, should be dead yeah. three times, four times over, even if it is Cyrus and he's going to move back. This is a champion that Boogie would normally be like. <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, but, but yeah, but versus us, yeah. But versus Ace, Zoe. But with Ace struggling so hard, right? And this was yeah. the Ace that we had seen before. And that oh, I've already yeah. said yeah, that point. And it was I do we think the patch affected that? To a point, yeah. To a point. But like yeah. to a point. I think for me it's more about um 
It's hard to say, right? But for me, it's literally just like he had some successful picks. We know he's a good Syndra. We know he's a good Rumble mid player. Mm. Like, he got one Rumble game. That's the game that they won in this series, by the way. He still got absolutely crushed in lane versus. I think it was. They team fights pretty well. No, it was a Syndra. That was a Syndra. That was a Syndra game versus Sarah Syndra. And like, he just run bot, put an equalizer down there, and it was great. Cool. Nice. Good job. Um, but like the other games, like, he was, um, again, made some early mistakes. Um, he picked up a random Zillion. First time we've seen him that in the split. Um, it was. Ineffectual. It, they didn't show that they know how to play around Zillion combos and stuff like putting a bomb on a champion that dives in and then putting the second one for an instant stun. Um, yeah, so for me, um, Ace, it was part of it was not on comfort champions, which have worked well for the team and the team knows works for them. And mm. part of it is just like basics going wrong, like you, you, your basic mechanics and um, presence of mind mm. is not working. Yeah, so yeah, um, Ace for me, really yeah. not good in that series. It's also just something specifically with the Zoe. It's like I can't even blame this on the patch. Because V3 have indexed into giving Ace Zoe quite a lot this split in general, of course, numerous patches. It's not even something new. We've seen him do this before, and I think the way I put it is he's very quiet on Zoe. You don't really notice him. And how often can you say that about a Zoe, particularly late game, where Zoe hits a paddle star and it is damn well noticeable. Yeah, particularly when you're in the semi-finals, too. Like, right. How many players of that caliber would be quiet? Well, look, look at C9 in the Juggernaut match. Niski got Zoe a couple of games, got like multi-kills I, I, I don't want to play mace too hard yeah. about his a yeah. zoe as we've already said yeah. a little bit yeah, about yeah that. so we've, let's, we've let's move over on to Siros though who we don't get to blame because the man had a yeah. very impressive showing and arguably redeemed himself versus sengoku and Pyrian from their previous series frankly in my eyes what are your Dude. thoughts on Siros, gentlemen? So this is the thing, right? We've just hammered Ace a fair bit, but how much of that is Ace and how much of is that? So in tennis, you know, we talk about forced and unforced errors. Siros played really, really damn well, well. series. Really well. Like game one, Zerath counterpicked to his Zoe. Like what? We hadn't seen that from pretty much any other region. We've seen a bit in EU Masters, actually. We haven't seen that pretty much anywhere well, else. So for tech. me, like... That's new tech. It's new tech, right? it's new tech stuff, right? Yeah. He's just like coming oh, out with how completely it, new stuff. How does Zoe dodge... That's, yeah. that's it. That's it. How, how does but, um... Zoe dodge skill shot? She's going to have to jump back to the portal she just came from. Zoe no. just aims at the, the thing, right, right point and it's going to be a free skill yeah, they're basically you're looking for a point with the Zoe Zerath matchup, and they won't even see it too bad. But like, if Zoe can like go aggressive onto the Zerath, like flash past the skill shot or portal past the skill shot, land asleep, and then start like dunking on him, that's great. Hmm. But basically, Seros played with real poise this series. He um, he was laning, he was out laning super well. Um, and like, one thing for me is like, basically, he was actually the point of pressure a lot of the time in the early game for DFM. Like the mid two v two, still playing a hyper jank ganking jungler in Trundle, and then. Um, him just like pushing in mid, always having priority, having priority whilst having teleport, being able to scale up as well. Seros played so well. Yeah. I mean, so the four picks he played was the Zerath, which was great. We had a conversation about that. He played the Syndra, which looked good in lane, slightly dodgier in team fights, but with, you know, we saw the it idea. Looked, it looked fine in lane, to be honest. Yeah, He got a massive CSD, but like teleported weirdly into mid lane to die a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Boogie was always just. So we'll go over that. <laughs> We, we saw his Ziggs come back, which has always been good and very strong on this patch. And he went back to the Azir as well, which, like, I... I mean, Azir's just meta, I, so... Yeah, he is. And it's not... Which is great, right? We had that conversation, can Seros play meta champions? Uh, and, and, like, he's gone back to the Azir and looked good on it, particularly with his ability to teleport on that champion, which is not something you necessarily think about. But Seros' ability yeah. to teleport and find disgusting shuffles was... 
Yeah, ironically, ironically, way back in like season six, seven or whatever, when it was like Syndra being super important um, back in that matter and loads of teleport mid laners being around, people were like, oh, you really don't want to take teleport in Zir because he just doesn't do anything when he turns up. I mean, apparently you can do. He's, do he's making it work. Shuffle them. Every day you yeah. shuffle. Yeah, particularly game four. Was really <laughs> good. Yeah, game four was every day is shuffling. Yeah. yeah game I'm, four was really huge. I mean, if anything, and we'll go into this once we have a complete roundup of both of the series. I mean... I think Cyrus is finally actually finding a bit of comfort, and it's surprising that it's taken him basically till these last few games. He he had comfort at the beginning when arguably he was just better than everybody else because of his team as well. Mm. Then he we had been saying some question marks, except for Initialize, who was just a fanboy and blinded uh, like me. Yeah. With you you're blinded like Cyrus, like I'm I had blinded faith. with TSM. All right, we can. I, ha we can I had faith. That. We'll put it that way. Yes, yeah, you gotta have faith. The faith. The faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, he looked really solid on all of, in all these games, really. So even even when they did lose, um, he still didn't look that kind of trash. He he might have slightly he's, he's, injured, he's, he's but slamming lane. Yeah, exactly. Like you're slamming yeah. lane either way, right? He did that all four games. Yeah, and yeah, the games here on the center was like his team fights were meh, and that you know that's a point off of his you know immaculate performance, but like he played really well besides that. But for oh, him yeah. to find get so far ahead though, it does take two to tango. Mm-hmm. And still, we're going to go far more into this trundle in the grand scale of things. But Steel's trundle, my god. Yeah. I was yeah. not partly expecting Steel to play a proactive trundle as much as he did. This looked very good. Initialize, yeah, you, are our, you are the man in, that lives in the jungle for us. What was your thoughts on Steel and Cyrus together with uh, this trundle? Big deal. So I still played the Trundle every, all four games. Uh, and this is also worth pointing out. This was into Paz playing Maokai. It was uh, Orn. It was... Yeah, and then it was Maokai and three games of Orn. So Steel has already got all the stats he could possibly yeah. want to Steel, yeah. which is really, really great for that Trundle. The second thing is, as well, is that Steel played the early games really, really well, specifically versus boogie boogie really indexed in towards graves pick which was very very powerful on the patch um and he also went towards his rexi a couple of games also he had two games of graves two games of rexi and the thing was that steel really read what boogie wanted to do uh, you know he was trying to farm and he was constantly shadowing where boogie was and boogie was really struggling uh in a lot of games to find his usual crazy explosive early games uh and game two uh didn't play boogie echo got no, well, but Boogie uh, Boogie game two went crazy. He managed to find some mid-game fights that got him super snowballed. Partly why Seros uh, looked a bit shocking in team fights was because Boogie would flash and blow him up with lethality graves. It's like, well, that's you done as a champion. Yeah. But still played uh, partly team comp very well. Lots of stats to steal. Partly really did a good job of tracking where Boogie was. Um, and the other thing was... Um, Playing with Seraph with the Zerath was great. Setting up for the 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 pillar slay for the stun to come in from Zerath. Lots of cool stuff going on there. And also a little bit of index towards this bot side of Utapon and Gang, who also had a killer series. And Utapon got the player of the series for the official cast. And game three in particular, uh, DFM had a great level one, setting up Steel to halve the map. And that bot side focus game three in particular was a nutty display. We'll come to the bot side in a bit. Yeah. Let's go back to mm. Steel in the Jungle yeah, and kind yeah, of how yeah. that compares to Boogie as well. 
Yeah, because I think for me, um, so Steel has looked... I mean, the thing is, basically, the, we were taking so much... We were, we were giving him a lot of flack, basically, for saying, look, if something happens at level 1, Steel looks mm -hmm. really out of sorts. Didn't happen this series at all. You know, there, there were no level 1 plans. They were just looking for Boogie to out-jungle Steel, and Steel was pretty much everywhere that Boogie wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Besides in game 3, really, I remember on mid-2v2, where Rek'Sai kind of managed to get the jump and get, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, got, got a good kill. Get, get a kill, get a flash out of the mid lane as well, and all this other stuff. So Boogie, you know, he wasn't, you know, completely silent, but Steel just nullified him so hard. Yeah. And the thing about Trundle is that he does scale so well as a early game jungler, if you get what I mean, because his pillar is very effective, because they've upgraded his early slows on his pillar mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. in recent patches was one of the reasons. It, it wasn't on... I'm trying to remember if it was ten before 10.5, actually. So it might have been some kind of like a legacy buff, but then it's kind of I'll just a more important he, now. He, like his, I'd already checked that. Trundle had not been buffed or changed. This is just... He had so he had like some... Re so this season, I remember him having buffs to his Oh, yeah, but it wasn't between 10.5 and 10.8. That's so what I'm I've saying. That's what I'm saying. That. He did a yeah. legacy buff, which was earlier than that, which just didn't... People hadn't picked it up yet. Yeah, so he had more. Right. He has more movement speed when he's on his frozen domain, and then his um, he gives you more of a slow. Particularly against, like, immobile um, champions, that's really impactful. Um, and, yeah, no, he just ganked the crap yeah. out of V3. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. And, you know, the, 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 interestingly, DFM had the level one plans over V3, like, particularly mm. that game three. That was just good stuff from Steel. I mean, yeah, well, they walked in, in I mean not fully. V3 were commonly also invading. They were trying to be very aggressive. They were always getting first dragon normally. And they were... Yeah, that's true. They were, yeah, they yeah. were very still jungle presence. I mean, I, I don't think you can take that away from Boogie. It's... Um... Now, Boogie didn't have an awful series. No, it, if, if anything, I think Boogie was probably their best player still in the grand oh, scale fair. of things. Between I mean... him and Rainer, actually. Rainer played really well. Rainer played pretty well. Yeah, I mean, you do also get to take a game off of Rainer because of Nymera's book of played Yumi minus one game. So, <laughs> and, and I mean, like, how, how much do we... We oh, He actually played the Yumi twice, so he minus two games, so he only played two games in the uh, okay. series, so I mean... not present for two games. Yeah, so. exactly. Oh he was oh missing in action, and yeah, yeah, I mean... I mean, I guess when in doubt, if Boogie's got a carry, just put an arena on top of him and then hope that yeah. it just figures it out, right? Yeah. Um, but it was different. Let's talk about that bot lane a bit more, though. As we already mm. started, Archer and Rainer had a pretty disappointing series between them. They're not the kind of bot lane we've seen yeah. from this, the V3 bot lane. Normally, Archer and Rena have been making up for a lot of the mistakes sometimes that happens in that mid lane in, in Ace. And normally yeah. you see Archer being this hard carry. Now, I think Pick and Ban phase definitely didn't go how they really wanted it to go a lot of the time. I'm gonna, gonna go out on a whim and say that, especially for Archer, a lot. Yeah, I think... Um... It's it's weird, right? Because in game one, uh, we saw like a huge early game lead for DFM when they yeah, again like Zoe just kind of capitulated the mid lane, and mm. it was really difficult down in the bot lane. Loads of summoners being burned, and then Boogie not being able to get across the map because he had to prop up the mid lane so much. Top lane was a tank matchup as a non-factor, and like Archer and Reyna managed to get to a point where they had like mis uh, misfortune Yumi, and they were like a hyper. You yeah, know, they hyper were doing a lot of across. damage. Teamfights had some good stuff, but it just wasn't enough because it eventually came to the point where like they had to outplay and dodge so many skill shots that it just didn't matter. I think game one was like a point in their favor in a lot of ways, but it wasn't enough to close out the game. We're all waiting to talk about game three, though, I guess, because that was not yes. good from the duo lane of E3. It was really they they didn't respect. So yeah, it was a dumpster fight. It was awful. Yeah. 
bit of context. Uh, game one, it was the misfortune Yumi, uh, misfortune, uh, and they did quite a good job of helping bring that game back. Actually, the two of them, they they stayed alive, avoided a lot of skill shots. It was great. Game three, same bot lane. It was the misfortune Yumi combo, uh, but this time DFM had themselves a bit of a strategy. Uh, they split the map in half. Uh, there was a Nautilus to back up Utapon's Aphelios. Trundle basically turned up, started stealing Krugs, uh, having split the map and cross. And you know what Rainer and Archer thought was a great idea, guys? We're going to walk in and contest that and burn a load of summoners doing it. Oh, no, the, the Krugs contest wasn't the problem. It was the problem like they were playing like they were on strong side when DFM had walked really in with a Nautilus level 1, really good level 1 champion, split the map, had their jungler on bot side, Boogie was on top side, and they just got Nautilus. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you do? <laughs> No, that's so, yeah, again. Yeah, it, it, that's the point, right? Like they just kind of inted over yeah. and over, and then that bled into mid lane because Ace ended up going 0 and 4 as well yeah. on Galio, which was a fine pick at the time. But it just doesn't mm. work when your bot lane is just hard yeah. inting as well. And it was when you play with a Galio, you need someone to protect with the Galio. Kind of, you can dive in yeah. with it aggressively, and they tried. And actually, the mid TV two at the very start of the game went. In their favor. Okay, right. they, got a, good, they well. got a good kill on Trundle. And yeah. then there was a point when, um, but the like, th th there was a there was a really bad point where basically Boogie's doing his thing where he's trying to find the enemy jungle and just kill them, kill them all. Finds um, Steel, who died in the mid lane CV2, who'd gone back to his Gromp at that because he respawned and went there. Galio ult comes in, doesn't land. They lose a Galio ult. They take a fight without the Galio ult and they lose like a clean ace. And at yeah, that point, the bot, lane, the bot lane had died like two times in a TV2 already. And like at that point, it's like, oh shit, we gave over a clean ace when we were like trying to turn around the game. Game's just over at that point. Yeah. And a lot of that is literally just because the AD carry couldn't function in that game. Yes. Yeah. And I like, what? and like most of the damage for V3 was on the misfortune. Uh, yeah. And that's a problem when the misfortune is then having to play weak side, so she's not getting the the mm. gold income she wants. She's not, and like she's gonna take it to get to a longer to get to a period of power anyway. Mm. She they burn someone as contesting the trundle and don't get the flash. They then get picked by a nautilus, which means they die. They die again, having tried to get some control of the bot side. Like, yeah. where do they come back? But I mean, this, a lot of this came just down to just Utapon playing out really of his well. mind, oh, frankly. Yeah, really and well. I mean, the other thing I want to hit on is not only Utapon playing well, obviously Gang played phenomenally, as we've been so talking well. about with the, on this Nautilus. Um, but a very interesting thing, game one and two, v, uh, DFM aggressively took the Varus away from V3 and Archer, who we've seen is an amazing Varus player. Arguably, mm, yeah. maybe, but just slightly behind uh, Utapon and uh, Yutori Murashi. Art's really good too, actually, thinking about There's it. A few, yeah, but yeah, but he's a good player. Regardless, let me finish my point. <laughs> so, DFM in game three and four decided let's, we're not even going to bother picking that. We're going to start first picking aggressively Aphelios uh, slash Trundle, and we're just going to start banning Varus yep. as our third and ban. This is like post nerf Aphelios too, so like yep. it was a bit of an unforeseen pickup. I was like, ah. Aphelios not so good anymore. You know, he's been hit with like his Q ability. Uh, and then this matter. game three happened uh, where uh, Gang was able to just repeatedly just dive Archer and Reyna. Yeah. And Utapon was like, this is great. I just get 13 kills in this game. I I just run yeah. you over. It's a free lane. And like, this is just kind of how much of this is the patch? How much of this is the play? How much of this is just the fact that there's been a five week break and that V3 yeah. were on a tear before? They were running so freaking hot. DFM were cold. They had lost a game. They were down. And then mm. they get five weeks to reset. And then V3 didn't look so hot. Ace wasn't yeah. hot. Arguably the whole of V3 outside of maybe Boogie and Paz. 
And Reyna had some really good Thrash games, actually. Like, I want to give him that. Reyna played that two Reyna... games of Thrash, yes. Yeah, yeah. He played so, two I think games. He, did, yeah. he played Yumi, remember? No, I th yeah, so I think that, yeah, he played the Yumi games. But, like, okay, as much as I meme about that, like, there were some really good moments where, like, he hopped off to block a skill shot and save a 2v2, oh. particularly in game one. He had some really good moments with his ult. So I feel like, actually, Reyna... Gang played really well. Reyna was just behind him for me, though. Like, yeah, Gang was the better support. Reyna had a good series, though. And, like, a lot of his lanterns and hooks in game... Yeah, his particularly his hooks in game two were... Well, it was how they actually won game two, frankly. Yeah, like... right. Well, that and Boogie just popping off in grapes. But, yeah, no, it's, it's so Reyna still is still one to watch. Yeah, he was. And we saw, like, the Yumi-Maokai combo hit a point where, like, yep, Poke's not killing the Maokai anymore. You can't kill uh, with that, yeah. that, that, You know, so there was some moments where you thought, okay, pretty scary. Yeah, but they're but, still yeah. off game one, so it sucks. But... Yeah. Yes, uh, but then that also does take us over to game three and four being the clean games. Game one and two mm -hmm. were not clean games, dear listener. Yeah. Game one was a slog fest for DFM. And it, it went took, long. It took 50 minutes for them to close that game. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. game two was arguably a fiesta to a degree. It was not a well-played game by both sides, uh, but V3 were victorious in the end and ended that game in 36 minutes, almost 37 minutes, call it. Yeah. Um, game two and game uh, game three and game four, though, were just clean on DFM side. We've talked about how they stomped V3 in game three to an end. Game four was actually a lot of the same in the grand scale of yeah. things. Bot lane just went horribly. Cyrus felt very comfortable. Zillion on for Ace was very Meh. disappointing. Yeah, uh, it pa was. Paz had an okay game, so can't. It's rare to say bad yeah. things about Paz. And Boogie tried his, his best, but I just don't think the Rek'Sai was the pick there against the Trundle, which we've yeah, seen. This is the thing, right? Like he got some work done, like picking off the Azir, but like. It's so weird playing playing as a jungler when you've basically got you know three losing lanes because they pit they, they um they've been a lot on Orn priority this series by the way guys for both teams Orn's kind of really back at the top of the tree yeah um and like when you so like Nar versus um, Orn I mean Nar pushes that in I mean the Azir Saros was playing out of his mind the whole series he was pushing in Ace every game mm -hmm. um and bot lane we already talked about how Youth Upon and Gang were just crushing it and like how do you playing an early game jungler into three losing lanes it's hard it's hard part of that's draft a lot of its play as well yeah. like i mean yeah. like there's room that if lanes are overextended and haven't warded you can get in behind people and try and gank them like, that's your that's your one recourse um and it just wasn't quite enough and i think also a bit of praise to ebby he wasn't the focus at all this series oh, really, on was really good but that's just it his own you know it, when things were looking a bit dire for dfm because they just could not kill archer ebby found his way onto him a couple times which is great and um, we'd had questions about the NAR priority the last time they played this. And he actually played weak side NAR pretty well as well. So, you know, like, it just like DFM pulled the map apart very well, I think it's probably fair to say. Yeah, I mm. would definitely agree with that. Ah, uh, the LGL officially unofficial's player of this series was voted. And I'm pleased to announce that it was Utapon. Congratulations, Utapon. We thought you played this series phenomenally. Even in that one game that you did happen to lose, you still went 3-1-3, and and you still were very relevant on Avaris, which is not surprising because you're playing Avaris and you just get to Q-spam. Yeah, he's got a lot of value out of that. He did. A lot yes. of value. <laughs> so, I mean, 
congratulations. I mean, I think he played astonishingly, and also yeah. getting that uh, the thirteen zero and two on a Felios in game three was Ooh. yeah. 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 That, that game is like hearkening back to a couple of the games of art on the Felios back in round one, yes. like when Rascal Jester, like oh, there was some yeah, some really good moments out of you. Fun and like he was just unstoppable the whole series. He was, and I mean, arguably to a point, he was unstoppable between in both. KDA. The finals, uh, the semifinals, and the finals. But yes, also in KDA. Um, gentlemen, let's move on, though, to our finals. This was a repeat match. So, meaning that I was not in contention anymore for the jersey. Um, Sam and I. Sam and yourself. And Sam reigned victorious. Victorious, and we'll have a DFM jersey coming here's away. I've already started looking Thank into you. it and finding Or a teacup if we can't afford that. Yeah, I'm writing up a victory speech for when I receive it. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, this this series, uh, sad as it is to say, um, wasn't much of a series. Uh, this was almost a rather repeat of DFM versus B3 to a degree. The results ended up being 3-1 in DFM's favour, and uh, Sam almost predicted it perfectly. He predicted the V3-1 perfectly, and he should have just ran it back. He almost did. I believe on the podcast you even said 3-1. You should have. I did. No, I said 3-0. I I went for the really spicy 3-0, and you guys were like, what's wrong with you? I stuck with it. Never go for the 3-0. It rarely I happens. They're not C9, but, mate. They didn't go undefeated in not, their not, spring not split. Not G2. Yeah, they're, they're like, well, G2 didn't go undefeated um, in their in their split, yeah. spring regular season. C- C9 yeah, did, didn't they? Or did they go? They lost. Uh, they, they, lost one. they lost one to TSM. One game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is in, yeah, hilarious. Uh, C9 <laughs> so much better than everybody else. Uh, God. Anyway, DFM, uh, but so DFM than everyone else. Uh, apparently, yes, on this patch. So this was. Uh, a big thing where it falls into thing, uh, the narrative that I have been saying to our listeners regarding Sengoku having to wait five weeks to play a team that they had stage time that already had had stage time right this is them revisiting a match that if it was on the same patch in a similar environment maybe do, it would have been different do th- do, is the whole series different is the match different and mm. it's uh it's a really difficult thing to say, right? Because DFM are coming in warm now. They've they've played a match, right? Yep. And all of these were played online. So it's like, how much of that can you say is really playing into account? I don't know. Like, what's your thoughts on that, really, gentlemen? Uh, I mean, so we've heard... I mean, I've said it on cast and on previous podcasts. You know, there are there are a lot of teams, which I said, waiting in the finals, particularly in this playoff format, right? Where you've managed to play an upper bracket match and you you know, even if you lose that you can get back to the finals. But if you win that you wait in the finals. It's a benefit because you get to play less, but you still get to play something and you get to see your competitors duke it out as well. Does that actually count though when you've got this mahoosive break between round two and yeah. round three finals? Like for me, like yeah. It didn't look like Sengoku were particularly comfortable throughout a lot of the series. Besides no. Pyrian, I think Pyrian had a good series from yeah, um, I think he Goku. did uh, throughout all games actually. I mean, uh, yeah, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more in, in some detail later. But like, um, particularly, yeah, I, I think that they weren't they weren't really prepared for the fire that DFM were bringing, and DFM crushed it. They didn't start the fire. No. Did you get no. you? Did, you guys both didn't get the reference, right? No, I didn't actually. It's a song. We didn't start the fire. 
I can't remember how the rest of it goes. It's like I, I'll have I a look at it. I only I only like grunge, post grunge, and new metal. You oh. should know this by now. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> anyway, can, yeah. and, anyway, can I give praise to the guy who did start the fight for DFM though? Because I, I mean, actually think On Air did a killer job with this team in yeah, terms of prep. Like, DFM support staff did wonders with that. How much of that is? on air and how much of that is the prior existing dfm framework because we had already seen them do incredibly well in playoffs in similar situations dfm playoffs does seem to be a different team oh. between the regular sure. split yeah. and of course and there is a difference between like because sometimes dfm have not shown that internationally so we'd have to really see if they step up in an international event which unfortunately we don't have we can yes. then attribute that maybe to on air but yeah yeah well i guess i'm saying on air and the rest of the coaching staff because i think the support staff for dfm terms of their prep for you know over that four or five week was pretty phenomenal yeah i mean kazu has been with them for a year True. full year yeah. now over two almost a year and a half now i think actually i think he probably came is um clearly was things 2019 are i think it was 2019 it might have been very early 2018 it's okay. not really important because it's just like clearly they're doing the right thing but let's get into the biggest jabetin mon that we've probably ever seen in the ljl so, Sengoku had priority when it came to pick and ban. They chose to go blue side and they start, they insta-locked in Trundle in the jungle. Um, Nymera, initialize. Um, what did, what did DFM do in response to this? So, DFM... They played the whole semi-finals with a Trundle Jungle. Um, they Sengoku played the whole game. Oh, oh, right. Sorry. Yes. Yes. DFM, DFM played it. And they, they made it look good. They made it look really good. They were ganking all the time. But we already yeah. talked about Steel. Like, oh, man, this guy's like... Steel only do 4K. The, the Maokai. They can't do anything. Yeah. Steel would only do 4K of damage, but it was 4K but like, too much, like, really. Like, so how much damage did he do, like, secondary from, like, stripping out ult, stripping out resists and, like, press the attack and stuff Thousands. like that? Anyway. Yeah. Absolutely thousands, but you know who isn't a tank and actually does pretty well in Trundle? It's one of Sam's champions, mm -hmm. Kindred. Kindred came out did a little dance as a counter to Trundle. He would have and... been happy if it was Evelyn, granted. I would, yeah. Boogie had Evelyn Vander way through the semis. Close enough. Yeah. So sad. But basically, um, what this shows to me is that DFM, they knew Trundle's a power pick. Whenever there is a power pick, that you have been practicing, you practice everything that works with it and whatever works against it. They played the Kindred into it and it worked really well into the team comp Sengaku were doing, but it just meant that this Trundle found it really hard to do anything. So, like, yeah. can I go at least the matchup itself is, you know, like, Kindred wants one thing in a lot of ways and that is marks. Um, Kindred with marks is a very different beast to Kindred without marks. You hit the four yeah. mark, hit that four mark, mark? I need to find a better word for that. Four mark point. There we go break point on kindred and your range goes up your attack speed goes you get massive massive boost to who you are as a champion and then that kind of increases at seven a few things uh and the range advantage over a trundle your hp the fact you can hop over water the pillar with your q you can put down the mounting dread the e and uh, you know like chunk him out really hard means you get the 1v1 pretty nicely you can invade his jungle take his marks it's just a nice matchup and also he can't punt you out of your role either like a gragas release in I mean, after the first two wins for Sengo uh, for DFM playing this Kindred, uh, Sengoku actually had to stop banning it because they yeah, just didn't have a response to it at all. And they were doing it second round both times. Uh, oh no, they banned it for the first one. The, the fourth game, they just didn't care. They just let it mm -hmm. through. And uh, Steel said, haha, 
I have a ace up my sleeve. Um, I'm trying to think of the, our podcast notes if uh, if we cover this at any other point. Do we do we cover this the game four champion? We we do we we don't. And he pulled out a pantheon. Yes. And my god, Steel's pantheon looked probably the best pantheon jungle I've wait I've seen in a while. Oh, in a long time actually. Yeah, he's him and Yankos very well on it. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I've seen a lot of pantheons just be kind of report uh, the jungle. Ineffective. Yeah. 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 The, the grand starfall is watching your KDA drop from the heavens, basically, in <laughs> certain points of solar key. <laughs> And it was just amazing. I mean, that kind of leads us on to the fact that, to be honest, Sengoku had a real lack of their level one around Which the were, jungle. Yeah. It, Which was mm-hmm. what was really important in their series win versus them beforehand, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they just never invaded. Across all four yeah. games, they didn't do a single invade. Steel has been shown to be a player against V3 <laughs> and, other, and against... Uh, Sengoku, regardless of their other games that they've played against other teams, that he can be a point of weakness. We have highlighted that on the podcast and if you invade him, you can find an advantage to DFM, especially if it's just getting early dragons like we saw with V3 oh, yeah. in their series. They were they didn't get much, but they were able to force Steel into a place where Boogie at least had dragon control. And then yeah. that helped to some extent i mean it got them that that game to win frankly so i mean yeah yeah sengoku didn't do anything yeah and i think um what i really want to call out is that um when we saw dfm do their game three level level one invade into v3's jungle and stuff they had themselves a nautilus nautilus is a very strong level one support most invading um, team comps where you want to go in at level 1 have themselves a level 1 support. Something like either a Braum, a Morgana, or a Nautilus. NT is really good at Morgana actually. He's 3-0 and on that pick. He's probably looked more comfortable on that pick than he has done on anything else really. They didn't pick that at all. I think it was 4 games of Thresh, right? Yeah. Which 4 is games okay. misfortune Thresh. That bot lane yeah. never changed. Yeah, so you know, there's some stuff you can do with that, like leading in with a hook. But it's not quite the same thing as a Dark Binding or a hook into passive from Nautilus or a Concussive Blows, right? Mm. And what that meant is that they could never get early information onto DFM's jungle start, which meant that Blank, as much as he's really good, he has been really good in the past at like reading junglers and getting really good early games and stuff like that, just didn't happen. Steel kind no. of just ran away with most of the jungle matchups. Yeah, I mean, right. that's just how that went down. Initially, you got any other thoughts on that? I mean, that is the deal, right? Is that currently the way the jungle, talking with Nymera a little bit earlier about this, just in terms of the jungle in general, is the way jungle experience changed over the the off season and into this season in general is that effectively, if you end up behind in the first five minutes, you don't come back. Mm. If your jungler ends up behind early, it can be really hard to get back into the game. Um, and Blank's done that before. It's how he's worked as a jungler in a lot of ways. We saw it in the Sengoku DFM juggernaut match. Uh, and that was pretty big. We did see the shift, though, from moving away from focusing on the Trundle. He went towards the Jarvan, and that made some difference for Blank. Like, he actually managed to get off some good early ganks. We know what Jarvan can do at level 2, 3, turn up at a lane, and just burn summoners. And he did look better on that Jarvan than he did on the Trundle. 
And I don't know what you guys thought about that. I mean, my yeah. big problem with him playing Jarvan and Trundle is it's a complete disparity of how they were successfully winning games versus DFM in their original series. He played Olaf. He was playing carry junglers. He was playing engaged junglers. He was playing aggressive junglers. He was like stuff with Pro, yeah. Yeah, and this whole series, it whether it was a decision by himself or potentially a coaching or a managerial thing or whatever. Regardless, it was not the way that we've seen Sengoku play and win a lot of games, right? Yeah. Especially against DFM, who they, before this series, had a positive win rate against. So, and the only team to really yeah, be able to say that in a, lo a long time in the LGL history, frankly. So, yeah. it was, I don't know, why, why would they stop him from playing carry junglers why not let dfm play their game and then play their own game at least for one round they didn't even let them do that right mm, i think um a lot of it is because bot lane cv2 was suffering and they wanted someone to gank for it that's part of yeah. it right um sure and that for once actually but he's been able to do that on olaf and stuff yeah in a lot of ways too yeah um i think the olaf is really good at getting up in the face of enemy jungles and stuff like that mm -hmm. olaf has really kind of fallen out of priority mainly because graves is the better version of olaf because he just does a lot of what olaf wants to do but also off. scales better True. and mm -hmm. doesn't fall off yeah and a lot of the supports like you can put in random solar lanes have not i mean you can use the, the yumi and yumi is really important throughout the semis and the finals right mm -hmm. um yeah, Yumi's been very important. I'm not entirely sure whether they've got... I think they've just got a bad read on the meta, honestly. I feel like mm. um, Jarvan helps in some ways in terms of their team fight. And it just makes it so reliable. It's so reliable. And we talked about reliability in round two, right, from DFM in particular. Mm -hmm. Like, they were playing around a Gnar with no other, no other engage. Really kind of Risky sucks. to find engage. Risky. Yeah. When you're playing with Blank on this hyper-engaged champion, um, Jarvan, they, they, managed to find, and they managed to find a game three victory, right? And that was a... Yeah crazy ass game but a lot of that was due to the jarvan and what it could bring over something like a trundle yeah and like jarvan is great for wombos right we've seen that before and blank plays a good job and we, we, we know that um but i kind of agree with you lexi in that i think on like because what how blank in particular has really impacted games versus dfm before and you know feel free to contradict or contest me on this guys but um I'm looking back, particularly, say, to the Week 5 victory, some of the games in uh, versus uh, DFM in the semis as well, or the Juggernaut match, I apologise, it's got a weird name, um, was Blank being on a jungle that did kind of two things, and one of those was be able to hard-force the issue, and that's either in a 1v1 in the jungle, and just go into the jungle and invade and do things, mm. or force a fight particularly bot so like he's done that with elise that's how they won uh really hard in the regular season is he turned bot when they were playing when uh dfm were playing a felios karma they were pushed up he comes in behind elise it's a double kill bot he runs over the game turns up in every way he picks up an olaf runs at you in a dragon fight you can't kill him he's in the enemy jungler killing you off you've got a horrible level one what are you gonna do um jarvan's great at ganking he can do that he can do that sort of like he can punish that like much like say the elise or the olaf in some ways he's not quite so strong in the 1v1 of the jungle or the invader it's fair to say yeah. and i wonder whether that was an issue i mean to the earlier point where um i believe nymara when you said oh yeah you play graves instead of olaf well graves was banned all four games versus yep. sengoku so wouldn't have been able to fall on to Blanks that graves. but i, I understand the point um obviously i mean boogie yep. made graves look destructive against steel in that second game so i mean mm -hmm. i think after that i think uh actually yes against the other next two games graves was never allowed to be played against dfm because yep. clearly dfm hadn't prepped 
the graves, right? They, yeah, had, I think they, pre- were, yeah. they had prepped for a Trundle meta and they had already responded to the Trundle meta. I wonder if maybe Initialize's point earlier about the Elise, go into the Sinner route, right? Fuck it. Play Elise. Play <laughs> Lee Sin. Play these kind of champions, which we've seen a blank basically solo win games on sometimes. And I, I almost feel like that was a crutch they were forcing upon yeah. themselves maybe to play df like it's the whole it's the principle that i said on cast dfm basically dictated the game instead of sengoku playing their own game and dfm playing yep. their game and let's see how these two match it, these two perspectives on the meta game hit each other at least for one game or two games if you lose a series and you pl- try to play your game and it didn't work at least you can go back and go well we thought this was going to be it and it didn't work <laughs> it seems yeah. like this was just blank being forced to play trundle because dfm play trundle yeah in some ways yeah and like I, yeah and i think but the then thing obviously about they stopped playing that and then they started going j4 and other mm-hmm. things and it just the thing... apparently the thing still for, had like four sengoku... other champions to play yeah I think <laughs> the thing which i was very impressed with sengoku earlier in the split well when they were on their win streak coming into the, the juggernaut match as well is that they did just play towards their own style instead of a lot of takeaways they were just more like hey we're gonna play mm-hmm. this this series definitely felt like they were they were really rattled by dfm what they were doing they just had to try and stop them from whatever they were doing and they never found like a good comp for them well I mean, game three they found a comp was game, game three and yeah. that stuck yeah. And that started really well. And we have we kind of dubbed that combo the shot glass combo. So what they had done is they layered a Jarvan, a Ziggs, and a Misfortune all, all together. And uh, it was... Because like, it's, yeah. it's the bomb inside the glass, which is the And, and, and there's, a lot, there's a lot of shots from Misfortune. It's great. There was there were so many layers to that pun. It was wonderful. It, um, <laughs> and like, yeah, and that did look... something, it's less funny, you know. Yeah, I know. But but <laughs> we're all it's easy people. to do it on cast, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, we, we ruined it. It's okay. You, Utapon did imbibe very deeply from from this in game three. I got one shot a great many times up until he didn't. Yeah, Utapon walked into a bar and got took a lot of shots. Basically, is what happened. Um, and uh, and like basically, because this was this was Utapon um, and Gang had run the Athelios Karma. They were doing their shove in. Let's punish. Early lane looked good. Then Blank burnt flashes. Then Udapon and Gang were left alone. And Sengoku go Mingo, ho, 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 boys. 5v2 in the bot side. Let's go. Uh, cataclysm, everything layered on top. That bot lane disappears. And suddenly Udapon, every time he turns up in a lane, Blank presses R. Uh, and everyone else does. And Udapon disappeared for most of that game. Yeah, and, and Pyrian managed to have a pick which could affect the map from mid lane. Like, he, he could actually find a way to get out of mid lane and affect it. And that's with the semi-global of the, the Zigzalt. Yep. Yeah, and, oh, that was fun from DFM. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with DFM, they brought back some power picks. We already mentioned the 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 Aphelios, and we've already mentioned obviously the Pantheon as well. But there was the return of the Dinger, the Donger, the Donger, the Dinger, the Donger, the man with the turrets. And uh, can we say we're really surprised? Like, are you really surprised? We saw it. Literally in game one of the LGL 2020, um, like first game out, they crushed uh, V3 with it, right? Mm-hmm. V3, and it was crazy. It was wow, wow. Seros is still picking this, and it's been banned pretty much every game of the regular split since then. And it was only stopped being banned in the semis by Sengoku. And Sengoku were like, don't need to worry about it. And uh, they locked in the Heimdinger, 
And in fairness, they did pretty well against it in lane. So Perian played did. as it. He shuffled it back into the jungler and like or under turret and got like he got a solo kill and then like an assisted kill. So like they were they were no they knew how to pick it off in lane and that was great. And Saros coming out of the semifinals on such a good laning performance, I was thinking, hey, this is a good thing to build off of. It just didn't matter because Heimerdinger is really good at zone control and killing objectives. And DFM played they played like they've been practicing with it with the, the entire split. They made DFM look very foolish around some of the objectives, and they just like they couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about it before, right? Aphelios plus Ziggs means there is effectively four turrets around at any given moment in an objective. There will, be a, sentinel, there will be a sentinel turret from the Crescendum from Aphelios. There will be all three turrets from Heimerdinger. Or how many turrets? Is it three? Yes, I think. But no, yeah, you said uh, Ziggs and it's Heimerdinger. Oh, thank you. Apologies. Wrong yordle. Um, Close enough. I think there's uh, another one, right? So with, a, with yeah. the rumble, so it's fine. There's a few of them. Uh, and I know you've talked about this before, Nymera, but what... Azir around objectives and Sengoku, you know, we know Sengoku love to play in, around setting up objectives. Um, but what Azir loves to do with objectives, have his sand soldiers set up ready for a fight. And you have to walk into the sand soldiers and it's a misery because he's got three items and chunks you out to try to come towards him. Mm -hmm. um, that's hard to do when you're trying to do that versus so many turrets stuff because it's not free real estate for the Azir mm. that's contesting there. Well, you can clear them out because, like, your soldiers outrange the turrets range. So you can do it without getting poked. But, like, doing that whilst also paying attention to the rest of the team, really annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, DFM knew how to set up the turrets really well. You know, they'd cycle Aphelios weapons very effectively, then go towards the Baron, and it just forced um, Sengoku to engage into them. And the thing with Azir in particular in that kind of matchup is while it was really good in lane, if you don't catch all the priority targets with the shuffle, um, there's going to be a Lamb's Respite from the Kindred. That's another thing we have to mention as well. And also, just like, you do get turned around really heavily. So, you know, you get one shot pretty hard. So Pyrian had a really hard game, and uh, mean, they got outdrafted, out really. I mean... Like, after that game one, where Cyrus played beautifully on the Heimerdinger, um, it was ended up being banned on the second round um, by Sengoku. But come game three and game four, they had they were back to their old ways of not banning it again. Because uh, yeah. I think maybe they had figured out other things, or maybe they were just like, we can't afford to ban this champion. Yeah. But this is... Probably quite compromised, too. Because you don't want to pick Heimerdinger into everything, right? Yeah. So if they think, eh, Heimerdinger would be not a great pick here, so if they pick it, wonderful. Yeah. Maybe that's something to it. I mean, this is where we saw Cyrus start playing the Azir again. I mean, we saw it at the very end of the series of DFM versus V3, and Cyrus had a fine game on Azir. It wasn't an amazing one to write home about. It was he also... Had TP spot. He had the good TP his spot. TP spot. Right. Yeah, but he still, he's, he still died three times and got in spots he where did. he shouldn't and that, have been, yeah. and like... It was it was a fine game. Perfect. I'm not, I'm not praising perfect. him hugely on it. I'm saying it was a fine game. The rest of the team, in my opinion, played a bit better. He did... Okay, I'm going to contest that slightly because, like, I know I don't want to go on too long, but also, like, there was a point where he TP'd bot, got a double kill with the shuffle, and there was a point in the late game where he cancelled the enemy top lane of TP and then TP'd to Baron to kill everything. It was really good. Yes, but, but I mean, I think a lot of other champions could have done similar things. I don't. It, yeah. it, it was more the point of the champion, not his play. Uh, gotcha. It was yeah. just more the yeah. point of the champion. However, he very much redeemed himself through the rest of this series playing this. Now, while you could say, oh, but I mean, if you look at the death scores, that's left relevant. Mm, actually, his Azir in game three, uh, in game two, was uh, mm, really scary, even for Pyrian to have to play against. Yes, he only mm -hmm. went 3 3 4 at the, uh, in the final scorecard. Pyrian on Corky couldn't deal with Azir. He, just yeah. frankly, that's how it worked. And Steel was just like, <laughs> free pickings. 
It's, it's Corky here. It's a really non-interactive lane matchup. It's like, you know both these guys are going to scale. Mm. But then basically, like, for me, that game, like, Gang played Blitzcrank and roamed mid. And uh -huh. just, yep. just made Corky's day really horrible. I think he, he went 0 2 twice. 0 in lane. He killed him twice, and at that point, it's like, oh, Corky's behind now. And actually, I think Pyrian played pretty well that game. It's oh, just like, you, I can't, mean... if you, you can't abuse that matchup at all. And Seros made it really look really good. Pyrian was the best player from Sengoku, in a, in a, I yep. think. Yeah. Which is yeah, but not way. too surprising, because yeah. he is a very good player. Sorry. He is, yeah. But I mean, playing yeah. against Cyrus, who was popping off, to then also have a good game yeah. himself, I mean, I think is worth yeah. that, that yeah. point. Credit to Piri, he played. Yeah. Wasn't uh, enough, but he played well. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, this is a point that I'm still not quite sure, even as we're recording the podcast, to actually bring up. So, I'm going to pass no. it over to Initialize to uh, try and explain this with all the micro points as well, so we as a community can uh, truly understand the, the, yeah. the, the huge that. galaxy brain that Initialize is trying to give us a part yeah, of. So, feel free to contest me. And obviously, you know, like, I'm, I'm not my mirror, but this is kind of something I was noticing in cast a little bit as well. With we know Sengoku Gaming love to play around objectives. It's kind of what they do, particularly come the mid-game. They, they love their stacking around Dragon Tick and they love their vision control there. When they played with the Varus in the semifinals, it was often like Varus poke coming out from the dark of the river and picking people off and doing a lot of damage. Um, in game two, uh, Sengoku Gaming were having a bit of a rough time early on because Blitzcrank was everywhere. Bot lane had gone to crap because Steeler found an early gamp. And they got a kill onto Yumi Tarajitaramashi, burnt the flash out of NT. It was all looking a bit rough. Um, and what had happened was the Sengoku Gaming basically started setting up around dragons and managed to find a couple interesting fights where they blew Lamb's Respite early by poking from out of vision and found one really good fight with a great Corky package and uh, Appermen on Aatrox running rampant yeah. in the back. Uh, and part of that was... Um, good vision control around the river at, in general. And what would happen is DFM would set up vision about 45 seconds before dragons. Then they would back and uh, Ebi and Seros went up the side lanes to push those waves out. And then they come back towards dragons. But during that time, that's sort of like 30 to 20, 20 second mark before the dragon would spawn, uh, Sengok Gaming would run in and retake all the vision control. And then DFM would have to try and find their way back into the river, having just lost all their wards. Uh, and that kind of gave Sengoku Gaming a little bit of a way back in particularly game two, where they found one or two fights uh, having with that vision, having blown Lamphras fight and then getting on to uh, the backline from it. Hmm. Yeah, um, so basically, yeah, so I think that Sengoku, like their playstyle has always been about early dragons really throughout this split. Um, and I think DFM, they managed to really buck that this series yes, they in did. a lot of ways. And sure, so Sengoku did their regular thing. Oh, let's try and get Vision Goldie and stuff. And there's a lot of fighting around Vision this series. Particularly game one, we look at them just pushing back and forth in the mid lane, trying to get Pryo. Uh, and also game four was kind of similar to that too, thinking about it as well. Um, but in, in game two, one of the big things is basically like, you told me actually and NT just got manhandled in the 2v2. And like they got, they got blitz cranked. And that made it really hard for them to kind of keep up this kind of play style. And like... DFM managed to find themselves early dragons quite a lot this series, actually, either through some really good steals from steel or yeah, just like Kindred just, 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 just using their prior from bot lane to roll into that. And it made it really hard for Sengoku to like do their typical thing of let's get two early dragons and then move into something else. So yeah. I kind of get what you're saying, Sam, but like, yeah. It's supposed to, yeah, because it meant the early game was very DFM, but come mid game, they tried to start turning the dragons around. It just wasn't enough. And um, I also kind of want to praise DFM because they knew that's kind of what Sengoku did. They did a better job of 
getting into the river despite that kind of vision control quite well and then contesting from then rather than getting picked off before it. Uh, and I think also to some extent the the game for draft with the Orn and the Pantheon uh, basically like punishing that. the setup quite well with that. Just forcing the way into river really well. Yeah, the Baron Dance is really good in game four. If you want to go back and watch that, anyone? Sure. I mean, let's actually start talking about game three and four, and I mean the contrast that was between the two games that we witnessed. Yep. I mean, this was a Sengoku game where game three it seemed pretty pretty interesting and they, like rather effective in the grand scale of things. I mean, they this was one of the few games that they actually were able to win against. Sengo uh, win against DFM, um, which I mean, to be honest, as we've mentioned earlier, it was a slight return to form with Blank getting heavy ganks all over the place on the J4, um, really kind of allowing the whole team to really kind of set up and feel more powerful in the grand scale of things. Um, and hilariously, these were two games that were basically about the same amount of time, but they were extremely extremely different games in how they actually went down so gentlemen take it away um ziggs is a thing it ziggs, is yeah ziggs thing um basically in game three Pyrian picked up ziggs um and with the jarvan just locking in place the Aphelios without someone like a thrush to get him out of cataclysm it meant that utapon found it really hard to survive even with heal barrier so they just dove bot over and over and like then they kind of used that to get a huge lead so this is like the one game where the 2v2 for sengoku was going really well um, and they kind of use that to great effect, but then like they nearly threw it away with the same trying to do the same combo, and like they used one had a stopwatch. It was only a combo, so like they wasted like cataclysm bullet time and the mega inferno, like all onto a stopwatch target, and then they got absolutely railed on. It was late game enough that they ended up losing a lot of map pressure, and I think I'm trying to remember if they lost the net inhibitor off of that. Anyway, it was super back and forth. There isn't actually a lot of analysis to be done because a lot of it is just like random smoke and mirrors plays, with like teleports, bad team fights, and craziness. If, if you want to hear initialize start calling oh, DFM the worst that so are the LGL champions oh, and the Nexus man. going to 10 HP, and then for them to lose that Ooh. game. Man, it felt, felt, it felt good as the producer and host to come yeah. on and say, and to flame him on cast oh, to several it. hundreds of people going, yeah, so, uh, the front of 500 people. And then, yeah, oh. and then just going, so, mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. buddy, do you want to do you want to not call the winner of the game until actually the Nexus starts been, blowing like, up? It would have been 3-0, which would have been his prediction to you. I know, I know, because they were so close so many times. Like, you cast to cast them at the end. I did. Why did well, you do they, that? They picked up, they picked off six. They chopped in mid lane. They got another two kills. It's like, it's going to be a 5v3 at the Nexus. They've got this, surely. No, they don't, because... Peter health bars were too low, having taken turret shots. I was like, oh my days, I'm wrong. And then it goes back and forth, and there's like three different base races. Oh. And, and then Seros and Ebi teleport in. Seros, and then they try and shove people away mega with the Sharima uh, Shuffle and the Mega Knight. It's not quite enough. The Nexus survives. They get too, they die too many people doing that. And then Ziggs shoves back down the other way in the end. And it's like, oh my days. Yeah. How on earth did this game end up at this point? Very different to game four, though. But yeah, that was a crazy game. Go watch it. <laughs> it's the mo I don't ever think I've seen a Nexus get that low in competitive play. It, it and... was Fnatic OMG levels. That close. Yes. Oh, my days. Yeah. Legit. That close. Um, uh, but then... It was the, great fun. But then the contrast that was uh, game four was, um, to be honest, um, one of them... It was a storm. Yeah, it was just... C it was just DFM 
just going through the motions. Blank was basically a non-factor on that J4, which he had an amazing game on the previous game. Mm. Coming in and now being almost a, a non-factor. Steel on that Pantheon, as we mentioned, oh, came in that game for Ebby. Um, Ebby on an Orn. 1v1 Apperman on Aatrox and killed him solo. He then also yep. promptly went 6-0-8. Oh, Ebby, so. such a good Orn. Yes, oh, yeah. my days. And you were questioning I mean, his Orn coming into this. Yeah, I called. Not... I called him. I said, "Look at this guy yeah. who killed him. Seventy percent win rate." Yeah. So basically, <laughs> what my what my problem was was not that Ebby would be a good individual on player. It's just how the team would transition to not having Ebby on someone that can really fuck up a team fight. Like mm. it would damage. And he's just great. I mean, go back and watch game one of the V three series. He's mm -hmm. the key. Mm -hmm. One of the key reasons they ended up winning that game as well. But yeah, I think that DFM with this comp in game four, they made use of the long range abilities they had between the Mega Inferno bomb. Uh, Grand Dawn. Starfall being the semi-global Abyssal Voyage and the Call of the Forge God and of course the Dawning Shadow, Shadow. They, yeah. they, they just used this range so well to get on top of Perrin Zazir who had been performing very well throughout the series and he finished with a good KDA this game it's just like it didn't matter when he had to be continually running away from stuff and DFM as soon as they got lights out around the objective they'd force them to funnel in and then use one of these globals not use all of them at the same time just force the issue and win fights and I think oh, that's the point. yeah Senna was a thing that's a big yeah. thing Nerf Cause... Senna was a thing yeah, because we had we had a Senna from Unicorn, and we, we were worried about that because this was ten point eight, wasn't it? And Senna mm. is just not as good a champion on this patch. She's not. Um, uh, and no. but it was, and actually as well, we were also worried because actually we went, does DFM have like kind of half losing lanes because Zix kind of like Z Z Azir can shove Zillion in, Senna That's and Tom Kenshi are going to be pushed back a bit by the misfortune. Uh, Aatrox into Orn, Aatrox gets a fairly good lane early on. Uh, and you've got a Pantheon early, like, is this going to be a risk? And it was kind of like, Sengoku Gaming actually had a pretty good early start. Some, yeah, they managed to pick off bot lane once or twice. Like, in the first kills of the game, I think they managed to pick off bot lane. Yeah, I think they got, um, they did, what happened is, again, they hit these points around the, the river, yeah, and what would happen is, Grand Starfall would come in, and the shield vault would hit one target, and that target would be named Yutora Mayashi, <laughs> at which point all the other ultimates would come through. And Miss Fortune cannot, st if she is stunned in place trying to do a bullet time after this, three people have teleported in behind her with her various abilities. And then all of these ultimates from across the map land on her. She just doesn't survive. Um, yeah. And from that point, like, you've got to, there is not much of a front line for Sengoku Gaming in some ways. And Orn, Panthe, and Tom Kench with been fed because he's not, not, he's getting the CS that Senna doesn't take, walk at you. And it's like, okay, 4v5, what do you do from here? I mean, this is Utapon playing Senna. This isn't Gang playing Senna, which mm -hmm. is, I think, the other important well, thing. Yes, mm -hmm. normally we saw it the other way around, and that we, we know how that works very effectively. This was not a fasting Senna in the traditional traditional it was, sense it, it was no it was they were still um collecting souls it's yeah so it was it was a fasting center it wasn't so. a full fasting center though because he had a lot more creep kills and like cs than we normally true. see yeah yeah, that's yeah um, eventually yeah he so he, he ended up actually ending the game with more cs than gang so i mean yeah. that well yeah. i mean granted this was a 40 minute game so that's oh, technically he had a ridiculous amount of souls actually he had like 140 souls at the end of the game 120 oh. 140 really big i'm not surprised mm -hmm. yeah, yeah no so i guess it wasn't true fasting center had a lot of gold yeah i'll shake with half and half i'll shake with a half and half i'll, I'll yeah. willing it, to concede it was, that. it was an adapt it was an adaptation on it for sure because i mean that's the way the pros basically there has been this thing with riot nerf center pros find a way to make her viable again they've done it again and the gang found a pretty good way to make it usable 
she's not a support champion. That's I think that's how Neither it is. Neither is Pike. Neither is Pike. They've been doing this no, for a whole Pike year. Pike is now. an assassin support. He's an assassin How's support. Your, how is your Pike, Lexi? I'd be interested. I don't think I've seen you play it. Uh, I don't enjoy playing Pike actually. Um, I hate how his hook works. It's uh, okay. it's a, it's it's I not like got the, the satisfying wind up as Thresh's where it's like wait 0.5 of a second then your hook is yeah. there I, and it's not the I, Blitzcrank I, one where it's like boom it, it's like a, I'm gonna wind no. this up then they, and then <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna slowly walk towards you it's like I'm gonna be really sneaky and then I'm like I I I don't quite like how the mechanic I also don't like turning into an assassin late game I don't enjoy playing assassins which uh, is, see this uh, is why I really I, like Pike because all I play are <laughs> yeah exactly you two are of these and I'm just like these are my babies Pike doesn't look at Pete other champions as his baby he looks at them as ooh food and I'm just like no Pike bad. It's like no, it's Friends. like Mama, Mama Bird of Prey, where he kills something and like regurgitates the food into his AD carry with it. Oh, that's, oh, here's the gold. Oh, oh that's just horrible. <laughs> Someone make a comic about that and make me regret my life choices. <laughs> that's definitely probably already on rule thirty-four. You, you're oh, well okay. Oh, move, oh, stop. God. Okay, stop. Not did that. Oh, but yeah. I anyway, mean, no. yes, that was them okay. having an astounding game. But I mean, talking about that bot lane and that Senna leads us to the player that we had. Honestly, had never had anything bad to say. We had only no. praised them of Yutori Muashi. And, uh, well, yeah, I guess that's... everybody has a bad game, right? And But that was the whole point. We didn't think yeah. that was the case for Yutori Muashi. It kind of had a bit of a shocker. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are a couple things. One, um, DF, one, they picked up MF Thresh every game, did Sengoku Gaming. Uh, and you can kind of see the thinking, uh, MF doesn't have dash in a gate off of the lantern just got away out of situations um <laughs> but there's two big things is um well, Utomi actually hasn't been the most consistent mf like his stats on the champion i think it's like i think he had actually got a losing record on that they, they played it a lot during their bad streak though yeah so, so i mean so that, that, that there's some safety on that one so yeah uh, but the other thing is um dfm drafted a really great comp around mf a lot like bullet time is wonderful unless there's a lambs despite meaning it doesn't does jackal mm -hmm. um Game four, MF sets up to do a bullet time. She's frozen in place for Pantheon and everyone else to throw ultimates at her. And like Call of the Forge Guard. Uh, yeah, all of this kind of thing. I mean, this is honestly just Yutori Moashi not performing up to the highest Out. of high no. expectation. Nope. It's not like, to be honest, Yutapon was like out beating him when it came to CS in the early games. It wasn't. If anything, sometimes while watching back a few of the VODs for the first few minutes, Commonly, actually, Yutori Moashi yeah. was actually winning a lot of the time in when it came to the CS basic farming. So it was like, yeah. okay, he's, he's not getting losing in that sense. What is it? And I think the big point was Yutori Moashi wasn't allowed to play the Varus against them a single time yeah. because that's the champion that basically destroyed DFM. This is the thing, right? Because Varus is like the lane dominant ADC. He kind of has been for the entirety of his, his history. He's just really good in lane. He builds lifesteal early so he can kind of like take some harder trades and sustain up. He has poke. He's got good wave clear so he gets to choose when he has the wave control. He's got range. He's a pretty high range AD carry. Yes. He gets to engage and force the issue as well. He's got so many things to make him a good laning AD carry. But then basically the problem is to pair up with support as well. Mm. So many supports. Yeah, there's a lot of pairing up so you can do with that. And but the thing is, Misfortune is the other kind of lane dominant AD carry. I mean, Callista's been nerfed. Um, Felos has been nerfed, and as well, you know, while it was picked up by DFM, Felos was nerfed. 
I mean, they made him look like he was better. Banabellios is the new Aurelia, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's better. yeah, pretty much. 200 years of freaking experience. Yeah, I think they were trying to crush me, you told me actually onto something which was lane dominant, and it wasn't working in the TV2, particularly oh, in game two. Um, oh, gang crank, and there was a point where, like, NT went to go Ward River, and um, that meant that even though the lantern was available, so basically you told him actually got hooked, and then um, he went for the lantern, had the lantern cancelled by the punch from. Oh, I'm so um, good. From Blitzcrank, Dang. and then like, yeah, from from the Blitzcrank, and then basically just like, yeah, game was credit to steel as well. Steal as well, who started red buff. So they were playing uh, red side, started red buff, and path bot for an early gank. Both games, first game blue summoners, second game was involved in that kill the bot side. It really put that bot lane in trouble because they were burning summoners like all four of them yeah, yeah. pretty consistently. Yeah, they were. I mean, game three was the game where they lost both like all four summoners, right? In the they first one, the set jungle, yeah, flash face break, yeah. <laughs> I mean that 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 raises huge questions about the bot lane, and I mean, how much of that is the patch and the five week break? I mean, we keep, we we have to actually. Yeah, like I mean, one they should have definitely put him on a different champion. Uh, both of the bot lane. I was saying basically, they're gonna keep if they're gonna keep playing stuff like Pantheon as it play something with mobility, and that means Ezreal basically play Ezreal or something. He can also outrange stuff like Azir as well, like which was played obviously three games by Seros. Like it wasn't banned, it wasn't touched, it was very much available. Ezreal Morgana is also not a bad lane, so that would again solve this kind of have a level one shutdown steal or this other stuff. For me, it was just like DF. Uh, I'm sorry, Sengoku banging their heads against a brick wall and wondering why it wasn't falling down a lot of the time because DFM showed they had a really good comp. And Sengoku just really weren't playing to their own strengths in a lot of these times, but they did have yeah. strong level ones, had like the invading jungler of the Olaf and shit. So for me, yeah, it's sad to see Sengoku go down in the style that they did without really pulling out some different stuff mm -hmm. to throw at DFM, but. Also, sometimes they just didn't play well in lane and that doesn't help as well so you know yeah. lots of stuff to think about mm. i mean you told him actually we had seen play senna rather well and obviously mm -hmm. dfm had found out how a way to work that he's also played yeah. a felios which he ended up they ended up banning in that final game which uh to be honest raises more questions than answers they, deal with it, but they couldn't deal with it well they, game three they did but... they, well they couldn't deal with it or they could just pick it Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, we could have seen it. They were hovering at one game and they didn't. They, yeah. I, 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 and I mean, so, that, that, what's the closest champion to Varus as an AD carry? And you can argue Ash. in a lot of way it's Ash, which mm, we've seen buff. him play. And Ash yeah. got buffed, you said, right? Yeah. yeah. So He's been up from like 60. So it's like 60% attack speed on a range just focused now. Yeah. So why so play the Ash? Like, there's so many things. All oh, the Ezreal, obviously, as Nymera was saying earlier. Like, it, there's, there were so many options, and they, for some reason, yeah, okay, I felt, uh, Misfortune, yes, you had a bad win percentage, but we've already figured out why that was. So, Part of it. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. The, the Misfortune pick is fine, but clearly it's not working for the large comp. And, I mean, especially when they're picking Kindred. Uh, yeah, uh, Kindred just screws over MF so much because, like, you finally get yourself into a good position, which is kind of hard for an MF against their team comp, and then just the Landra Spike comes up, and it's like, it's like well, this didn't yeah. do anything, wonderful. That's like, <laughs> yeah. team that's like 2,000 damage down the drain. It's really annoying. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 guys, wonder, I wonder about this. Um, so, I wonder whether 
in game three, the big shift was Blank going towards the Jarvan and then really indexing into bot ganks. He went down there twice, burned loads of summoners. They did that massive dive in the bot side. I wonder whether Sengoku Gaming didn't think the issue was the bot lane matchup, but actually the jungle involvement down there and whether they thought the Jarvan was the answer. And it kind of was, sort of. of. Right. Um, and But I, I just don't know whether that was enough, frankly. The thing is, though, like, I mean, as much as you said it was a stomp and stuff, I don't think it was the the most stompy thing I've ever seen. If there no. was Sengoku yeah. had some ways into those games. Sure. I think they were outdrafted. I feel like the mm -hmm. players themselves on Sengoku were relatively pretty good, right? Aperman had play, a really they, I mean, yeah, they play fine, but this is not the same Sengoku that played DFM no. in the previous no. round yeah. in round two. And there's so many variables around it which shouldn't exist that yeah could have affected the players themselves could have affected the game the, the drafting so many things which i think really reigns us back to a point that you made nimera ages ago now um at the beginning of this podcast saying why if this is a contingency problem for the players is this actually just a different playoff we have yeah, did we have I, two playoffs originally and now playoffs now did, were sengoku technically the winners of the original playoff and sengoku and v3 were tied for second and third place yeah. respectively yeah. and this is what we're getting with a new playoff system yeah i mean with a break that large it's it's so hard to kind of consider the first half and the second half like the same beast um i, I mean i'm not going to be salty just because like i wanted sengoku oh, to well i no. thought that sengoku would win pre-split and in class and I mean, DFM oh, deserve the win they, they won not. right very exactly. convincingly they did yeah no, and, and no one can argue that dfm are the best team at the end of this split and the end of these playoffs um yeah. could it have turned out differently if it was still on the same patch you yeah have to wonder. you have to wonder and, but and, 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 and yeah and that's the question, right? It does cut undercut the it does undercut the competitive integrity a little bit because you always have to wonder what happens if it stays on the same patch. Because there is absolutely a world where DFM do what G two did, wake up, Seros goes back and practices much like Caps did. He comes in just as strong as he was in that in that V three series. You know, has a great game in the great series in the finals too, and it's the same result anyway. Yeah. But we don't know. Yeah. That's you know the thing. thing. So remember, we cast the summer fi finals and stuff with. Mm -hmm. um, and remember v3's jungler then baby yep. so he went over to the pcs he's now called river he just won the finals there so congratulations to him yeah, so hey. another lgl um tenured player alumni finding some finding some results so i'll just put that in briefly so congrats river you did well well done river i mean it, that's just a really it raises it's it's giving us questions that we shouldn't have it, it's yeah. a sour taste yeah it's a sour taste because it's like it's not because the thing is DFM played super well and they deserve the praise they for that and, you know they, and they could absolutely have come in and done exactly what they did and I would not have been surprised. Yeah, with a things. one or two week break on the same on ten point five and we would be like, GG DFM. Around, <sighs> right, but we have these questions, and that uh, sucks. Sort of sucky. It's the other, but I mean the other thing is how much equity are we actually going to put on that because sadly there is no msi and there is nope. no international tournament for until worlds currently yeah meaning how much do we have to care it matter. yeah how much does it actually yeah. matter outside of the prize money for the team at the end of it from mm -hmm. riot which and the pride and the pride, pride and the and, and the prestige and the and to be honest most of the most of the teams don't and players don't care about that they just want the champion they want the trophy mm -hmm. at the end to say look the prestige. Look at what we did. I am a mm -hmm. champion in a league. Yeah, you can put that in your history books. Yeah. 
and it's on your wiki page for the rest of time. And they're like, I did a thing. I mean, Corporal's got that for his direwolves when they won. Yeah. So, I mean, you, oh, boy. it's definitely a thing you want to come across and do it. I mean, you just have to look at every region. Like, yeah. the winners normally go on for bigger things, right? So it's like, you want to have, you want to have that feeling. Yeah. At least. And it makes more difference in LEC, right? Because championship points, I believe, are still a thing in the LEC. For the LJL, remember, it's only ever the top team in summer that goes yeah. to Worlds. There aren't any second seeds. There aren't any third seeds. So, like, it well, really no, no. does mean that whoever comes first in summer goes. LEC? I, don't, I thought I thought all the regions got rid of the points. Championship. I know NA did. I wasn't sure whether LEC did as well. So, it affects your playoff seed. Like, the it affects some seedings for the world's Okay, board, that's what it does. Okay, that's I, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't looked at okay, it. I'm fine. not casting it. So, I watch it yeah. as a viewer, but I haven't heard for it. Cool. So, yeah, take my words there with a grain of salt. Cool. With that all said, gentlemen, as I was in the minority of this, give our illustrious player of the finals to our listeners. Go for it, Sam. It's our man in the jungle with the kindred pick that was so near and dear to my heart. It was Steel. Um, he and well deserved. Well, well deserved. So much of a step up over the playoffs. He had a great series versus V3. He had a fantastic series versus Sengoku Gaming. Such a smart bait with the trundle. Having the answer with the kindred was great. It was so good into the team comp. The the steals on that kindred around the dragon fights were fantastic. Uh, his pressure, his pathing early on to get the ganks bot side in games one and two were great. Mm. The Pantheon game for... Oh, the Pan game for Pantheon is one of the better competitors. Whoa. Like, yeah, really was because we, yeah. we were having this conversation because there was a couple other players in contention. Like, uh, Utapon again had a great series, Gang was very good, all of these things. Yeah. Um, but that Pantheon game, his ability to grand star fall in behind the enemy team, go get shield vault onto misfortune, uh, use his Aegis to get out as well, just great, yeah. really great. And I mean, what's really nice for all of us over here is we were all questioning Steel as the biggest yeah. weak part coming into playoffs against Sengoku, our reflective podcast episode regarding that. We we saw Flame steal a little bit. We're not fully. Rightly so. But he played kind of meh. But damn, we love a redemption arc over on this podcast. Absolutely. And for me, that was Steros in against V3 as well, actually. So when we talked about player of the game there, I voted for Steros. Of course, it was a majority vote. And like, it's a willing, you know, Yutapon yeah. crushed that series. Willing, you know, very... Um, uh, worthy. Well worthy. It's another W word, which I was actually looking for. Uh, play with the series, <laughs> right? And yeah, Steel for me, like I power ranked him pretty low coming into playoffs. So same with Seros. And mm. you know, I can definitely say, stand back and say, these guys, you know, they showed up big when it mattered. And yeah, some of the bigger games we've seen from this guy. Yeah, I mean, our playoff power rankings, I don't think Seros or Steel were breaking in super high. They weren't first for, on any no. of our lists for Steel. Second, I no, I don't think they were even second. I think Seros stepped into third I, I, put him, I put him in fifth in mine but oh is... i mean for my power rankings i think he was fifth as well but i think steel i was had like, him a little oh. higher i think yeah but even then that that shit that's a volume that shouts a lot more when you're yeah. not even potentially putting him as one or two because well, we had questions right and that was a big deal we basically said look steel and Selros, there are question marks about what you were doing question answered oh right definitively yes it's like well f <laughs> maybe they listened to the podcast and they were like Hey, those British kids keep saying we're not very good. Well, let's... I don't know why I'm giving them, like, a weird cockney... Have you, have you been watching Peaky Blinders again? Is this uh, what it is? <laughs> no, it's... I mean, we maybe maybe we'll take them out. Maybe we'll just stamp their legs down. Maybe, maybe we'll... Oh. 
I mean, things I... that are going to get us banned from ever being legit. Dude, dude he's going to come around. I mean, this is why this podcast is you in real life. I mean, this is, oh, yeah, absolutely. He played Pantheon for real. He was a Spartan soldier for real and mm. found every option. This is also why this podcast represents our own individual views and does not represent the LGL officially unofficial. And everything else. <laughs> That's why I do that disclaimer at the very beginning because it's, uh, it's kind of important. Um, but yeah. Steel, well-deserved, very, very good player, and frankly, well-deserved. Nice, re- especially to end the series. It was really nice to see Seros um, and Steel kind of, for me, from in my eyes, I actually go, yeah, yeah, no, they are actually just really good. They are maybe the best, maybe not the best best, but they can rival no, the like- best, and I'm like, that's pretty good for me. Yeah, these guys, remember, they're like back to back to back to back. Yeah, four back champions. Oh yeah, no, they they, they are now five times absolutely nuts winners in a row as well. May I add, they have won more, and they and they've won they've won like winter when it was like a winter thing, and they won a summer thing, and this was more when it was an overall tournament structure sort of thing. But they're just when you when you just look at it as raw LJL spring split summer split. That's five. No, this was the fifth one, I believe. Uh, summer, because they came second. Oh, in it, maybe oh. there's a pentagram one where they lost yeah, that the one, but then they had won yeah, one yeah, before yeah. that. And I can't so yeah, they, they won, won versus those. yeah, they won versus USG in the finals of 2018, 33 one. So that's five. That's that's one. Yeah, it's five in a row. Okay. Oh jeez, okay, my bad then. My bad. Yeah. Um, and I mean, to be honest, well deserved. I mean, though this didn't feel. I mean, reflectively looking at it, outside of USG um, almost taking it from them, and obviously back in the day with Rampage and Pentagram, obviously were different days for the LJL. But now that we're sitting, these are the, those were days where there was less international talent in the whole region as a whole. Now every yeah. team has to have two import slots filled. That's just now a default for a lot of regions now. Um, but <laughs> um, excluding China, basically, where the player pool is so high. And so many, that's why you can get away with it. As well as also in the VCS, as they have uh, one of the largest servers in the world. Uh, which, Second largest, I believe, by Playbase, yeah. Yeah, which is Vietnam, which is server. why they're also able to have full Vietnamese teams, which is, to be honest, yeah, yeah. pretty nice to see, to be honest. It's, it's, yeah, weird, it's a weird yeah. time. EU's got the yeah, EU's top teams have no great imports, you know, Fnatic and G2, neither, you know, they're full but European. There are, but all other teams normally have imports. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, China yeah. is and Vietnam are one of the few regions where yeah, they Japan, don't really have a lot. Japan have like at least two Koreans on each team, and then there's a couple which have been naturalized as well. So yeah, and which is really it, good for international viewers, right? But yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I mean, we had loads of Korean viewers coming in and saying hello and everything else and watching us because I mean, why not? Be a pride on the line because I mean, why not? I like it. Support your <laughs> t- support your brethren in the grand scale of things. If there was a UK player. Guaranteed playing in NA, I would watch every game that that guy oh, played. There was a Taylor on Coast back in like 2016. Yes, and I watched those games and I regret what they It was awful, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I still watch them, damn it, because God saved the Queen and tea and coffee and fish. He was much better on Super Hot Crew. He was much, yeah, better, was much better on Super Hot Crew. Oh, that was such a good team. Also, every time I hear Super Hot Crew, I also think of the opening of the game Super Hot, where it goes super, super hot. hot. I think yeah. they should have come out to just that name of the, that, the, the announcer going Not super WWE, but hot. it could be. Did it even exist back in 2013? Uh, probably not. I think it was a That's 2015 game. They were ahead of their time then. Yeah, they were too, too ahead. But every time I hear Super Hot now, I'm like, super hot. Um, this... What a weird digression. 
brings <laughs> us to one of the last points that we want to make and it's kind of wrapping up these finals and it, it answers and asks some of these questions and some of these are just hypotheticals we don't know the answer we can only just spitball and that's it both sengoku and v3 were playing at this were not playing rather weren't playing at the same level as they had been during the previous games we had seen sengoku Okay, outside of week seven, Rascal Jesters having a perfect game against them, which was very, uh, raised some alarm bells for us. Um, they, though, played a very impressive game versus DFM. V3 had, went 3-0 versus Axis, 3-2 versus CGA, and were looking damn strong and potentially even could go the distance there it was not crazy to say v3 could go the distance in the grand scale of things why do we think that both sengoku and v3 didn't perform up to the same level that they had been we've got several points already for both of them and i imagine mm -hmm. you're both going to talk on them i'm going to yeah. kind of just give it to one of you to kind of go first with this okay so i think the really big kind of question that goes under that is it because dfm just stepped up and then made and just made them look bad because they uh they just prepped really well and made them look bad because they were just really prepped and a good team uh is it because they had v3 and sengoku gaming had stepped down and weren't as well prepped uh, is it a bit of both mm -hmm. uh and, and that's kind of a little bit of a question because i think it probably is a bit of both i think dfm came in exceptionally well prepped the thing is, I think for V3, there were definitely players that were underperforming and players which, well, underperforming compared to their playoffs form, like particularly mm. Ace. Um, I also think that the champion pool they gave Paz was not his preferred punch at a champion pool. Like, I mean, Appermen definitely yeah, went back towards the, the Aatrox and stuff, but like he was on Orn for most of that series, which has not been his most successful champion. So I think that actually both teams in a way had diverged away from some of the ways that they played to... To great success but mm. i think dfm the way that they drafted necessitated some of that right so i think part of it is dfm just saying look if we draft like this you can't pick out all the stuff that you've been very successful with you know we'll mm. combine these champions we know that so but yeah for me also the other thing with like sengoku um i think a couple of other players played very well right i think that blank played pretty well i think that Pyrian played exceptionally well actually considering the circumstances i i would almost controversially say that Pyrian played better than saros in the finals although saros was also very good so it's not a slight against him but you know there's something to consider there i think so is it you know Pyrian was good against put Pyrian was good against the odds i think is the way of putting yeah. it right so it's like uh, there's something like, did they play up to their level absolutely not i think the drafts were very incoherent from v3 and um sengoku at some point mm. and i think that dfm i think that points a lot towards the cohesion of dfm and knowing and the prep as well right there's so much to say about that so draft is it is is it is it them playing bad or dfm making them look bad i think dfm made them look pretty bad i think dfm played mm -hmm. really well and they made it look uneven yeah always yeah, if Sengoku Gaming exposed DFM in the Juggernaut match a bit, DFM went away and covered up those flaws and then returned the favour, is the thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's a scary thing. I mean, I mean, a point that I've made to both of you before we came on here um, is, do we think there's a knee-jerk reaction from the side of Sengoku um, reacting very aggressively to what they saw in the V3 series and then only having a day to prepare, right? You have to imagine they had their own metagame worked out. Mm -hmm. And then I, we've already made this point slightly earlier in the cast, but 
Sengoku would have prepared their own meta. They would have known what they're doing in 10.8. They would have watched other regions play on 10.8. They would know what, what other people are doing. Typically, yeah. Sengoku play a very meta-centric game. They very much like playing what the other regions okay. are playing. The competitive, especially the big four regions. They, they emulate that to a degree. But they play their own game. They then knee-jerk reaction started playing what how DFM played in their same race against yeah. them and tried to beat them in their own game. Why were they doing that, guys? And what? Why do you think? Like all these questions that I brought up. What? What's your take on that? I refuse to believe that they didn't know that Trundle was a power pick because yeah. everyone knows Trundle is a power pick right now. Yeah. The question is whether they knew, like, whether they delved into that as deeply as DFM did. And of course, they haven't because they didn't know how to deal with the Kindred. Let's be honest. Because, like, yeah. if you think that the Kindred is like the, the the big thing for me is like the Kindred into Trundle is okay in isolation, right? It does deny yes. some more Trundle velocity. But if you're also picking MF as well, what is going on in your heads at that point? Because you know it's going to be really hard to team fight. And playing four games of MF and two of them with the um, the, the Kindred Trundle not as well, banned and then unbanned. Yeah. and then banning the kindred in the yeah. last two it's like yeah I the first pick trundle as well like that's exactly. weird shit well um... it's trundle into well so trundle is a great pick and he has a lot of strengths and he taking it away from steel seems to be a great thing because steel playing a lot top it yeah but it's then but then you're also saying okay so trundle's in a bit of a not not a great matchup for him he's also got no tag to steal stats from so like that's kind of diminishing trundle's power already trundle he's still good but at that point he's not as amazing as he could be, right? Yeah. And it's also something about Kindred as well. Is she can make or break comps. She broke Sengoku's comp in that. Actually, she's great into the trundle. She's great at nullifying what Misfortune does. If you can take out Lamb's Respite or push Kindred out of the Lamb's Respite, she's suddenly very vulnerable. Yeah, which is why they if didn't you pick manage to release it into her, it's, it's pretty gnarly. But like, but yeah. I think there is a point of thought that I, I can't remember who I'm pulling this from, actually. Um, so I'd love to credit, as we do like crediting where we find out things, or school of thought. So there's the idea, partly, that you can pick something like a trundle, right? Which kind of sends your team down a certain axis in the pick and ban phase, right? So first picking trundle is not an unknown thing. We've seen that in lots of other yeah, regions and lots of, from lots, several different types of teams who like playing the game in different ways. So... That's not the craziest thing, though I do concede the fact that yeah, it didn't really work out at all at all how it should have gone. Because you can be Sengoku and go, okay, we're gonna we're gonna draft the Trundle. Trundle seemed really good for them. Let's let's power pick that away and figure out the rest of the draft. They then continued going down the Trundle pick around Trundle sort oh of God. path. Um and I just don't understand why they go, fuck it! Trundle's not going to work for this draft because they've insta- they've, their, their red side first two picks fuck Trundle. Fellow, yeah, yeah. It's a fellow, mm -hmm. fuck uh, Trundle. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to now pick everything away from Trundle and Trundle's just going to be in that comp. If they happen to pick a tank in, fucking brilliant. Trundle becomes relevant again. But if they don't pick a, a tank in the top lane or mid, weird mid lane, or a support, at least to find yeah. something like a Braum or a Nautilus might, yeah, you can steal yeah, some stats. There's, there, yeah. still, there's still ways of doing it. But they didn't even do that. Yeah. Or, craziest fucking idea that just popped into my head. Play Trundle as a support worst case scenario. Oh, yeah. Or top That's, lane. Yeah. You can Trump flex Trundle. He's not great top lane, but... Trundle top lane. Well, the thing is that Ebby was playing him in solo queue, so we know it's not unheard of. Uh, Trundle support's taken a lot of nerfs over the last I two know, seasons. I but... I think it's... You know what? You could play it with something like a Senna and actually farm up on the Trundle. It's something you can do. Ooh, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, it wouldn't be awful. Like, if I it's a shit... They, 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 they didn't adapt to that. They didn't adapt. No, they did not. 
exactly because like we can we can talk about it really in depth into each draft like oh man what have they done this or whatever but like that's kind of done and dusted now and obviously they just weren't prepped for it if they were going to pick if they were going to flex around and start doing that adaptation you would have imagined they would have done it and they just yeah the, the first two games were not good well we know they weren't well, they weren't doing that no, and they weren't I mean, prepped because they played four games of mf thresh yeah. And it was. Yeah, I mean, it, it boils <laughs> down. Yeah, the, that, that particular thing, but you know, the MF Thresh, the Trundle, it boils down to Sengoku being a little predictable. Yes. And they were predictable in game, and they were predictable in draft, and DFM had wild cards to pull out. What was the wild card for Sengoku Gaming? Where was the where was the thing that they had stored away for the finals over five weeks of prep that makes you go, aha, we've got you now? Was it just Trundle? Well, I mean, yeah. you, I mean, the only other things you can say, which I, I, I've mentioned earlier, is obviously Graves was banned every single game. Maybe mm. they expected to get at least one game on Graves. Maybe they had done a lot of prepping like, around games. Like, why, don't, why don't you just pick the Trundle? Not Trundle, pick the Olaf. Yeah, say why fuck just it. Just that. say fuck and it. And in fairness, Trundle's do... pretty good into Olaf, so you'd have to ban out the o the Trundle, right? But why don't you just... Olaf's worked for you before. Like, why don't you go for that shit again? Yeah, and it's yeah. fine. Olaf's fine against Kindred. Yeah, she runs it. yeah he runs it down. Yeah, yeah you just I mean, run into thought... her and just go, I will live steal while you're invincible and then <laughs> kill you. And I mean, we it's saw... Like... Yeah. Saw... It's like, wow, you're keeping Olaf alive at the HP where he does it, does the most damage. You realize how that sounds? Yeah, and then it's yeah, just yeah. like one hit, one hit, one hit, one hit. It's like, uh... Yeah. I mean, like... Yeah, I like the, that the... point. Yeah. I mean, like, the, the one surprise, maybe, surprise, was, was Pyrian going for the Ziggs. There was the one thing where they had to take it away from the Corky to split either, right? Yeah. So. But Corky was a power pick after 10.5 so yeah. i think i think that's less surprising yeah, in our like, eyes and it's, yeah and it's it's not a surprise in the global meta is guess i guess what i'm saying yeah and i mean we saw steel in, in, against sengoku play three different champions and we know he played four different champions across just these got across the playoffs in round three and round four not including the previous playoffs i think steel played more champions than basically any other jungler could have done so, yeah. like and it's insane because yeah. he pulled out the pantheon he pulled out the set when and the great thing and we know now that dfm are definitely listening to this podcast because a hundred percent they picked set it could have been top lane they uh blue five picked nah and then we went oh my god dfm are starting to actually play champions in yeah. other roles Oh my god, yeah. they, they figured it yeah. out and then it was just unbeatable because the set was everywhere and Ebby just got free farm against an, an Aatrox and it, yeah, and it was just like it, and it, in some ways again it's just the early ganking jungle that's somewhat tanky in teamfights right? yeah. it worked. And it was like last pick Pyrian and Pyrian's just like looking at this going oh fuck that could also be a set that, that, and it was like oh fuck this 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 set is just jungle or it, it's jungle unless this is Nar jungle but then it's like it well, out jungle is in second round and just went to jungle and like but the, <sighs> but the other thing i love the other thing i love about this in that in that game in, in that game uh, even though they won uh, even though they won this game in game three karma could also have been flexed Karma could have yeah. gone mid. It's a special as well. Yeah. So. yeah, and so it was like they were just doing so much of this, and we learned that Sengoku, uh, Sengoku have not figured out what to do when DFM suddenly start actually drafting not face up. Yeah, yeah, and they just kind of crumbled because, to be honest, DFM basically did vaguely this sort of thing across a lot. They they were picking yeah. in very smart orders. They were banning correctly. I mean, they banned correctly because they banned the the various, the Graves, and the LeBlanc every single time. Yep. Yeah. And they had those bans free because they weren't afraid of anything else. So that was fine, really. No, they weren't. 
And I mean, yeah. that that's just it. The only other thing I want to say, just to round us out of this, is V3 played a very, very aggressive early game in the jungle, right? They were invading. They were taking... I think they had 100% on all first drakes. Something like that. It was either 75 or 100%. I know they definitely got two. I'm just kind of questioning if they got the other two. I know they got... Let me have a look. Um, so, uh, but we'll while you guys are looking, I'll finish my point. Um, so they played a very aggressive jungle. They prioritized this. This is a boogie special. So it's not too surprising that V3 played around their jungler. Because I think their jungler makes a lot of the calls. Boogie is very good. <laughs> boogie is very good and definitely sees the game on a very different... I can't see your hand, mate. Okay. Hear ye, hear ye. DF, uh, V3 got the first drakes in the first two games. They or first drakes in the first two games. They did not in the set the third and fourth. Okay, yeah. one of those two was stolen by Steel in clutch. I know that for a fact. He actually lived up to his name of Steel. Um, so okay, so yeah. it was fifty percent. Should have been seventy-five. Okay, that's fine. Cool. Because yeah, it was bad smite on him, and then Steel got out as well. It was fucking hilarious. Yeah. I remember now. Uh, oops. Do you? That happened versus um, Sengoku too. Actually, it did. It really did. And in game two, I think it was. Yeah. So that. Anyway. Oh, you've already started linking into my point. Thank you, Nightmare. How did this affect Sengoku? Because this was very different. We've already touched on this a little bit earlier when we were talking about the jungle, but um, this was not Sengoku how they play early game. Yeah, it's weird because, again, a lot of it JC boils down to level ones for me. Um, and I think Sengoku would have loved to play more early game centric if their bot laner was actually hanging in there and rolling with the punches. But like the bot lane just got absolutely smashed by Steel and the bot lane really. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like, was it was it the way Sengoku normally play early games? No, mm. no, it wasn't. I think the only thing which really went to plan was like mid lane being fine. That's pretty much it. And like obviously in game three, the early game went really well for Sengoku. But even then, like they don't heavy yeah, gank found bot a lane all the time. Yeah, they tend they tend to just like get a dragon in terms of in terms of like pressure and reset timings and stuff. That didn't really work out this game, and they try. There was a point as well where like the herald fights were not going as cleanly as they should have been going as well. Like there was a I'm trying to remember which game it was. It might have been game four where the herald fight just went really bad for them. Hmm. Really yeah. bad. And then like after that, it was like so you've already rotated. You lost waves. I think you lost the herald as well. I think it was game four. Yeah. So in terms of how V3 like affected that in terms of like watching those games, I'm not sure because they're quite diametrically opposed teams, Sengoku and V3. Mm. They play quite different styles, but like obviously it would have been in, the, in their heads, right? Saying like, oh man, V3 tried to go for this early style and it's just not, not working. And this is, the right yeah, style, and, right? and then this is also a team that is very famous in this, for us at least in this split, and I think our, for being objective focused. For being objective focused and very aggressive on their early game. Yeah, not, especially. Early. Yeah. not having soul point early screwed with them well, particularly because like remember in the first series like dfm had like two barons to like five or something didn't um, v3 lose series. with ocean drake in ocean soul i think they did i right? think the game wasn't it game one, one, one game or four they lost with ocean soul oh, yeah, well, they, they lost with no that no dfm won that one that was uh which one was it uh, I think if we're recalling that we're somewhat right. It, it, um, yeah, so that's that's um that that's speaking volumes. Yes, it was right? game one. Game yeah. one they won. They lost with Ocean Soul. So that's just raises far more questions from maybe the side of Sengoku. Do you have to beat Sengoku and be like, oh god, are we actually going to lose this? Like, do you think they got in their heads with just by maybe overthinking that? Because clearly mm. playing MF Thresh over and over again it felt like they were in their heads. 
Because yeah, I don't, they didn't adapt well. That's the main thing for yeah. me. They didn't adapt well. Game three was a night. It was a it was a flash in the pan, and they very nearly lost that too. Again, like one hit away from the Nexus, but like. Yeah, I mean, Almost so Sengoku would be licking their wounds coming away from this. They had a real chance to win, and it wasn't. It was relatively close, you know. In some ways, it was. It was. It was. It wasn't nearly close enough, but it was close in a lot of ways. So yeah, commiserations to Sengoku, but DFM really blew it out of the park with the series. Yeah. Really did. They just yeah. so composed. Mm -hmm. And if you have any last closing thoughts, and Nymera as well to round us up of our main topic of. I think that was the, it for me, really. The semi-finals, the finals. Like, I, I had a lot of doubts again about DFM this plus, and they really proved me wrong, so congrats, DFM. To uh, paraphrase Kobe, I never doubted them, and it feels good to be the superior analyst. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, uh, memeing aside, no, actually, it was a great... It was, it, was, um, it was impressive what DFM did with their time off. Like, they used that time exceptionally well, and they really put it into practice. I mean, it, it does also make me wonder that some of the outlying players on both the side of Sengoku and V3, who did still have rather strong games, you have to imagine some international talent is looking at them going, licking their lips going, ooh, they, they might have lost, but ooh. Particularly with, particularly with um, like LCK doing their franchising challenger mm -hmm. thing, um, I'm like, Reyna could very much go back, Arya could Blank. very much go back, Boogie could go back, Blank could go back. There are players in the LGL, obviously, which have been doing import 10 years over here, and I'm like, unless you're going to like I prove mean, you got results and, and stuff, it's going to be hard to keep him. In the grand scale of things, Ebi and Yutori Murashi are like the two Japanese players where I'm like, man, these guys could legit be international, like, start, like, big and superstars. Seros on a good day, but those two in particular are just yeah. like, and Yutori as well, actually. Art, maybe, art, with a bit of style. Art's, art's, art's Korean. Oh, yeah, so art yeah, is, art, sorry, I'm talking Japanese. Travel, but I'm with you now. I'm with you now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we were talking about Japanese. We already mentioned art, sorry. <laughs> All right, no, that's me. I, I but misread that. I think, I think it's, well, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Thankfully, hopefully, nothing crazy is going to happen, unlike in uh, my favorite, X, maybe favorite region. I think the LJL is now my favorite region. Oh, that's cute. Friendship has ended with. I mean, I, I mean, my favorite region is just a dumpster fire at the moment uh, unless we talk about c9 which i'm more than happy to do a podcast episode just praising <laughs> c9 i'm fine with doing that i don't want to talk about any other team well golden guardians i'd actually be okay with talking about and oh. FlyQuest. i think FlyQuest <laughs> is a i love FlyQuest as a team they're really good content creators i'll give them that yeah. they've, they've rebranded them very well <laughs> then you then you uh i think it's owner i know their new ceo owner i yeah, can't yeah. quite remember what her position is but whoever she is she's doing fucking wonders for that team especially yeah. with that whole fly quest go green thing i love that i love it it's yeah. pretty good stuff it's pretty good stuff yeah uh so will be interesting it's megami Me uh yeah megami bear that's it yes so with that all said gentlemen let's go over to question time Dun, dun, dun. My prime minister's questions, but not. Uh, oh God, no! I don't want to do. No, no, no! God, that comes out in a few days. Actually, his interview. Um, I didn't. Anyway, it's, 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 that, thank it's you. the end of the week, and apparently he's going to say if quarantine is up or not. Yes, we won't talk about that. Um, Ishiki, our writer extraordinaire for that assists us with some things, has asked us a few hey, questions. Great. His first question is, did you expect a victory for DFM? Question mark. Especially after Sengoku won the first leg against DFM. Well, one of us did. <laughs> no, 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 not really. 
Uh, I mean, I, I, if it was on 10.5, I I would still be questioning them because, like, yeah, I would, I don't know the, the the mix of the massive break and the, the the patch worked really well for them. I didn't expect it, and I probably should have done. But um, yeah, yeah, I think how it is. I think you and me and Ish, uh, and Nymera really kind of just one. We assumed that we were having the same patch, which I think we all assumed anyway. So yeah, one, well, we didn't. Well, one we assumed the same patch when making all of our predictions really, um, and mm -hmm. two then when we suddenly it's told, oh, we're having a different patch. I'm like. I don't know how much that's going to affect everything. All of my prep work and everything has been done on the idea that they're playing on 10.5. So I'm like, suddenly when it's changed, I'm like, well, I'm still going to stick to V3 winning because that's what I said on the podcast and I'm not going to just back out now. Yeah. And like, yeah, okay, when when DFMs did it, in the back of my head, I'm like, well, I'm already giving initial as a jersey. I might as well say Sengoku because the hope of giving Nymera a jersey instead, I guess. I don't win either way now. Yeah. But no, I think that coming into the finals after the semifinals, I was like, if I'm looking really scary. Um, obviously, I predicted Sengoku like three two on the day, and that was that was wrong. But yeah, no, I, I, I DFM bucked my expectations. Yeah, I think I think though, if we could, it's on the same patch and it was not such a long period of time, would I have given? I would have especially thought Sengoku would have been able to put up more of a fight. But yeah, you have to hope. Yeah, but congratulations, initialize. Well done, sir. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. You win this time. You win this time. <laughs> this the, time. The Hawks didn't even make I mean, the final three, so I mean, I'm very far away from anything yeah. at the moment. Yeah, poor Hawks. Uh, yeah, they didn't, they didn't make the top seven, Lexi. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't have to go that deep, man. Oh, boy. They had to go that deep. They had to go that far down. <laughs> Fine. Uh, gotta get your jabs in when you can. That's fair. Yep. That's fair. Uh, the <laughs> other question that Ishiki asked us is... Uh, a very relevant one, actually. What are we going to be doing during the off-season, gentlemen? Um, I've got a little bit of uni work to do. Then um, surviving quarantine, playing D&D, not playing ranked because I'm losing all the time. Hey! Like, honestly, what am I doing? I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> like, I've no clue. I'm doing some casting where I can do it. So if you guys have any casting opportunities, let us know. But... Yeah, please do. Initialize. Uh, I'll be doing a fair amount of music stuff, I think. I've got some projects, composition and uh, programming-wise, I've kind of got on my plate, which I'll be doing some of. Uh, some game dev stuff. A little bit of just exploring what, what casting opportunities I can find while I'm there as well. So yeah, that's probably the main things on my plate. So I'm going to be streaming again. I had a really nice streaming session of eight hours. and it nah, was, and... Accidentally. I, oh, I did. I was only planning to play for like three hours, and then I was like, "Cool!" And then people start. It it, it reminded me of League is fun to play with other players uh, and other people that you know. The second you play solo queue, it's the worst thing. But you play solo queue with a mate, suddenly yeah. it becomes far more therapeutic, and you're oh, like, so you can you can meme mindset. about it. Like when you're on your own, you can't meme. Really. Yeah. Well, Plus, if you're a support, in... it's nice to play with someone to play with, right? Supports work better when you've got people to, you know. Yeah, you're not hard around. flaming your AD carry because there's some random. Yeah, yeah. You can flame back your in mate. Like, yeah. Back in like season six, when I was like really trying to push for diamond the first time, and I fucking failed hard. Actually, like that, I had to do a full mental reset and just be like, okay. All right, we've got to take a couple of months off and try and like figure out why you're actually playing this game. Do you enjoy do you enjoy winning it or do you enjoy playing it? And it took me like so season seven, I got diamond for the first time. That was really cool. And then like 
season, which was a really cool season. Actually, last year, I was really happy playing League, because I hit Diamond 3 super early into the season, and, like, I'd hit my peak rank, like, within, like, two weeks of playing ranked. And I'm like, wait, I don't have to worry about ranked the entire year. And I really enjoyed last year because of that, because I didn't have to worry. And that was really cool. No expectations, just enjoying the game. I mean, I do have the goal of trying to get to gold so I can be a gold mm -hmm. caster like every caster and analyst that is really out there. Most of them are gold at minimum, so I need to... My smurf is gold if you'd like some help. <laughs> maybe later. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do it on the account that actually has the name Mast Swan. Maybe maybe that, maybe we'll do all of that on my uh, my main account. We won't, we won't talk about Lexi. We won't... Lexi, Le Lexi is my troll account. Yeah, let's go with that because my LP gain currently on my main is uh, plus 19 and minus 18. So uh, gains are That's an real hard at the moment. The worst one I had was plus 12 once. That was that was when Diamond MMR was destroyed, though. That oh. was really bad. Uh, outside of streaming, uh, I've got some content stuff I'm going to be planning. I've got Ooh. some casting stuff I've got in the works. So applied. So it's like up in the air and see what happens from mm. those um not league related but i mean also looking for league opportunities and everything else outside of that i'm trying to find more opportunities for the lgl officially unofficial yeah. i did my we're undergraduate the podcast. well yeah. everything we're just looking to improve the product and yeah. work around what we're doing in the back end too i mean yeah. my undergraduate yeah. was in marketing with a specialization on business and i did my final dissertation on brand influencer marketing so i mean this is technically a brand and we're looking for influence. It, guess what? I'm aware of what we should do. It's just how much money can we willingly put in to try and get yeah. back out and weighing up these cons. Because yeah. remember, this is a fun thing on the side that hey, we exactly. are all doing. Time can be done for free, especially when it's your own passion project. Money, though, yeah. that's a bit different yeah because yeah, actually the big thing that all three of us are going to be doing in regards to the lgl is like just making sure that one we're doing a good product but actually like it's sustainable because this split like it came we had a very problems. frank conversation yesterday basically like this is not sustainable as is and we need to yeah um yeah switch so, things around to get this working basically. so yeah so basically we've got a bit of time off and we're going to look to see like how we can make this easier on ourselves and we might be reaching out to the community to you know do something with that at some point but yeah. yeah i mean we've had the lovely penguaru throughout all of oh, this man, assisting with so graphics good. give it like if i ping him a message within a few days he'll ping me back some beautiful assets and it's like oh my god and i mean that's that's a member of a community who we have um f found purely by doing this and uh regardless of how many times i try and offer them money they don't accept it so yeah but no, but like, yeah. Take our money, Penguaru. Take it. Take I'll get, get, my, uh, get my wallet out. <laughs> only us. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. I think just like, we're, we're going to be working on this because we are new to this. It is off our own backs and there's a lot of shit that we could be doing better mm -hmm. and should be doing better, frankly, actually. Um, yeah. So keep an eye out and give us feedback where it's due, please, because that's the yeah. way we improve. Because, you know, we don't exactly have a template to follow. You know, we can look at the VCS broadcast and go like, oh, they're doing that. But like, and, and everyone has to go about their own thing their own way. And we're only three people doing this. It yeah. does make it difficult. Yeah, we're the, we are the closest people that we have to kind of mirror ourselves and watch what they've done in the past mm -hmm. is Opal. And they do a great job, and actually. VC yeah. And is Opalcast, who obviously when Opal was doing it, he was doing, uh, uh, what, what do we call LPL. this? Boot, bootleg cast of the LPL. Uh, yeah. And then obviously now he does the PCS and everything else like that. Um, 
and multiple other things. Damn, that man does a lot of things. And the, v and the VCS, which um, when I was actually talking to him on his stream, he had very high praise for the guys over at the VCS. So I, I want to just put that in there as well for the VCS listeners Aww. out there. Um, that's great. Uh, but it, it, it is a thing, right? Like we're trying to follow a vague blueprint where everybody's done their own kind of thing and we don't really quite know. So that's what we're also planning to do in off season is give ourselves a bit more of a roadmap because we kind of did this on the fly as e watch our week two games oh my days yeah that's us or, or don't actually might also be an option but that's us definitely taking this whole ljl thing by the seat of our pants and everything else so uh there's a lot of things that we're looking to do and that's what i and the rest of us will be working on outside of that i've got a little bit of uni work i've got to do yeah I've got um and outside of that i'm just going to try and work on my mental health and just kind of yeah it's tough in quarantine right now. It's kind of tough in quarantine. It's tough when I don't actually get to see anybody and haven't seen anybody for over a month and a half now. So it, it gets uh, lonely, I think. It's, it's cabin fever. <laughs> well, sure. thankfully, I don't get claustrophobia. So it, it's mm -hmm. less cabin fever. It's more just kind of realizing what day is it? Or who am I? What, are, what day is this? Uh, so what year is it? Yeah, what year is it literally? But with that all said and done, gentlemen, do you have any closing thoughts for this episode number 14 of the LGL Official and Official Podcast? No, I think we'll just like close it out how we started it. For me, really, it's like we have finished a whole split. That is pretty Ooh. rad, actually. Like, how many people can actually say they've done that? And um, between the three of us, we've managed to pull it off Not somehow. Really. Yeah. Um, so thank you for everyone who's joined us along the way. Obviously, um, you know, we have our Discord and all the other stuff, and we tattoo some of you guys there. I'm like, no, it's been really cool meeting some of you guys, chatting some of you guys. And, and our Twitter uh, DMs are actually open this time. We checked mm -hmm. that as yes! a group. Yes, we actually opened up the DMs because we forgot about it. But yeah, no, it's been really cool. Um, we wouldn't do it if Tip. no one cared. We wouldn't do it yeah. if no one cared. And um, They do. They do, apparently, so thank you. Uh, I also want to just shout out my co-colleagues my co here and friends. You know, Nymera, Maswa, and you guys have been brilliant. Like, it's been a lot of work. And this has been, it's been a pretty cool product. And we pulled it off. Finals are done podcast talking about the finals are done like that's a pretty great arc one yeah episode one of the podcast began it and episode 14 of the podcast is closing it but that does not mean it's the end of all things in the grand scale of things and yes thank you to both nymera and initialize or rather alex and sam thank you both for your hard work commitment to casting and everything else that you do behind the scenes uh, that our listeners the MVP, Lexi. don't the MVP. actually know the MVP. um and i mean at the end of the day we somehow did a split i don't quite know how we somehow what worked our two university schedules and a freelancer's time around this it's it's not an easy thing to try and figure out to do uh, we've casted several games live and we had insane mm -hmm. numbers frankly like fucking insane numbers that we were just never expecting and this is it we did it and now we get a split where we get to relax experiment with some other content before summer comes along so we will be still releasing this podcast we've got some things in the works when it comes to our podcast specifically stay um, tuned be aware the podcast will not be its standard two and a half three hour length this podcast is going to be closing at the two hour mark basically so uh, we're only trying to cut it down um and we will also be the next few episodes expect only really hour-long podcasts because we don't want to go super in-depth on stuff. We want to kind of have a podcast there around the LGL. Mm -hmm. If you're interested, great. If you're just waiting for stuff when we start getting back into playoffs and everything, uh, and also just the summer split as well, 
trust us we'll be covering that as well as also all of our world's predictions when that does come around but for myself nimera and initialize it's been a hell of a split but we've loved doing it nonetheless take care of yourselves in this global pandemic that we're in and have a lovely rest of your day take care and goodbye